passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Who's it going to be? He's thinking of it. No, no way. gotta be kidding me the rated r superstar edge is here like the wall paper sticks to the wall like the seashore clings to the sea that's no yes we will take orders You will acknowledge me. You will respect me for who I am in the WWE and all that I do for our family. I fully consider you two to be be my brothers, man, in every sense of the word. I love y'all, man. Say, Chris. What is it, Maxwell? Would you do me a favor? What do you want now? Would you mind taking it one more time? From the top? No, from the ending. Wonderful! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best of 2020 show, a post-wrestling, up-next co-production. I am John Pollock, guiding you through as we go through the very best that this year somehow provided some positives for. And joining us tonight, the up-next crew of Braden Harrington, Davey Portman, and ladies and gentlemen, it's Ting! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thank you very much, John. Thank you for that introduction, and thank you for that uh, excellent, excellent in- intro that you put together. Uh, I don't know how many clips you might have been able to, you know, have to navigate to, to compile all that, but a wonderful way to start the show. Thank you very much. Well, I didn't have the voiceover skills that one Davey Portman provided on this week's first part of Best Match Ever, but... I tried my best. Oh, hello. Hello, 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 hello. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, quite the... You're like Armin Neal. Uh, <laughs> you, 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 guys with, you guys with your voices. Don't expect a different one for part two. <laughs> right, that's all I'll say. <laughs> There's only so much best that you can uh, call out of this uh, particular year. But we are going to be going through uh, all of the major categories. We have a bit of a condensed list of categories. We're going to go through 15 different categories. And I have pulled up last year's picks as well so we can see where things changed over the past uh year as well so we're going to be going through all the different categories and welcome to all the listeners and those that are joining us live the the post wrestling cafe members and the up next patrons this is a true inter-promotional best of 2020 show wow this is like like marvel meets star wars i don't know it's like the biggest crossover i mean it looks like we've kind of got our matching t-shirts us 
both in white, you guys yeah. in grey. It's not quite the red and blue of Survivor no. Series, but... No, how imagine? are we going to know which brand I we know. are all associated with? My God. We're all... Uh, Braden is sporting a brand new hoodie that was designed by Robert Pearson, the great Robert Pearson. Am the I goat. correct, Braden? Oh, the GOAT. Oh, yeah. ESPN's own Robert Pearson. Yeah, true. Yeah. Wow. Uh, only the big leagues here at Post Wrestling. But yeah, uh, I kept saying for for this past of the year that I wanted this White Claw inspired logo for us. And we live in Toronto in our backyard here, the BDE MSG. We have a family of raccoons and Ralph the raccoon. So I kept saying I wanted someone to redesign the White Claw logo with a raccoon. And by God, Davey Portman for my Christmas gift went to Robert Pearson who designed this crazy thing. So the hoodie's going to be up. They're going to do hoodies for us. Yes. The t-shirts are already up there. T-shirts are up, but people love a good hoodie. So Mm. uh, it's hoodie season. So yeah, uh, we love White Claws. We love raccoons and we love you, John Pollock. Well, we've got our first up next plug in. So that that means (laughs) that Brandon and Davey are settled in. Uh, This should be a very fun show. And before we dive into uh, our first category, I want to just throw it out to you guys about uh, kind of sitting down, preparing your lists and looking back at such a bizarre year and and finding you know the, the good that the year provided uh i'll start with you way did you find this to be uh, any more difficult uh in assessing you know certain categories that we we don't have a complete year in the sense that you know for me when i look at wrestler of the year one of the components i look at is is drawing and it's it's so out of whack this year because we weren't talking about uh, attendances and and certain metrics that you'd attach. It's looking very much, I think, at just what were you entertained by this year? I think typically I'm somebody who votes more so based on personal enjoyment anyway, so I can't really say for that particular aspect it was any more difficult. If anything, some categories were a little bit easier to choose because we had so many fewer options to choose from this year. You know, certain people might have done great towards the end of the year when they their companies might have resumed, but uh, a, a smaller body of work to me um, makes it less likely that that person might win. Uh, same question, uh, Davey, as well, just kind of looking at the, the past year uh, and just going back uh, from January. Is it Was it hard kind of assessing kind of the two periods, which are January, February versus the remaining 10 months of the year? Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, for the most part, this list was relatively easy, but it, it is definitely when it comes to those wrestlers of the year, I'm kind of going, okay, just match quality, but then consistency as well. Because you look at something like New Japan and altogether, they it feels like they've only worked a few months this year. And when you compare that to people in WWE who've been putting out stuff every single week, it and then you're you're judging matches in front of a full like stadium compared to matches in front of no one it's it's very hard to think do i put that into consideration or am i just going to take my pure enjoyment um so i think yeah the the best wrestler of the year was the one i struggled with the most this year um for the men but the a lot like matches and stuff came really easily i feel like it's also strange because i know you were planning to go to wrestlemania go mm. out to all the events like that and then like there's SummerSlam, and the new japan was supposed to come to msg and and all this stuff. And then it was all taken away, obviously the pandemic and stuff, but wrestling kept on. And it's like, yeah, there's stuff in this year that we forget that had a crowd. And then the year just changed. And it's interesting kind of what going back for the show like this, where you look at the different. Uh, I'm going to be honest, my wrestler of the year, I'm still undecided. I'm between two, but most years, John Orway just put together something very eloquent 
to fight one of their right, cases yeah, and they persuade me. Uh, so I'm either going to do that or I'm going to just go with the opposite of everyone else. I don't know, but it's between two guys. <laughs> and I'm still torn in my head right now. I like it. The polls are not closed yet. So, no. <laughs> hey, until we, until you're on the hot seat, everyone is still a viable candidate for your wrestler of the year. But we're going to start things off uh, with a category that we have taken several and just amalgamated it all into one. And that is best non-wrestling media. And this can encapsulate uh, best book of the year, a documentary, a podcast, and any kind of out-of-the-ring content that was produced by any wrestling companies or just uh, anything out of the ring, essentially. So I'm going to start with Brayden. You can kick things off. Uh, because this is so many different awards, I'm not going to go back to the 2019 picks because this was scattered over several categories. But what was your best non-wrestling media in 2020? Uh, I'm going to give a lot of honorable mentions slash shout outs during this show, but already a shout out to the WWE network with all the stuff and documentaries that they make and following so many of the, their wrestlers. But I, as a wrestling fan got just, I, I guess I'm sick and twisted. I got great joy out of watching dark side of the ring season two, uh, because they covered some of the, the topics that I definitely wanted to, to hear about, like the Owen Hart, the, the Chris Benoit, two-parter legion of doom on like mushrooms or acid going down on motorcycles all the all the stuff the new jack and it just it felt so well put together and and i know dark is in the name but it was dark and it was something i guess now i'm I'm a lot older and i'm watching this and i'm like wow like i'm also learning a lot from a lot of this but it was so well put together but uh, i'm very interested in watching season three and in fact now they're making like dark side of football football and all sorts of yeah yeah. So, I mean, obviously it kicked off for them pretty well, but I, I love that show. There's there's dark episodes and then there's a few like what the UWF one. That's just wild. And like the cocaine and cowboy boots. Oh, man. Uh, the Snooker one was super real. Uh, just like, yeah, I, I kind of was a show that I loved during quarantine where I was just like going flying through each episode. But love that stuff. So dark side of the ring, it is for Brayden. Davey, where did you go? Uh, because you can go in, in many different areas here. Yeah, so this is probably the first year where I've consumed as much as I have. Uh, I know every year we we do the best book and we never have anything to say apart from John. So I kind of went out my way to, uh, I got a bunch of the audio books. So got to check out uh, like Grilling JR, The Young Bucks and even The Bellas. And uh, I actually really enjoyed all of them. Um, but I think the, and Braden mentioned kind of all the documentaries we had, the, the thing that stood out for me, to me the most this year was the June 8th episode of New Day Feel the Power, which was mm-hmm. a conversation of racial injustice. And um, I mean, this, this year just has been such a crazy, depressing ride with just so much stuff happening. And the, uh, the kind of Black Lives Matter movement over the summer was a big, big case of that. And I, and I think something that had we have not had a pandemic this year and people weren't stuck at home, I don't think people would have been listening as much as they actually did. And I thought that New Day podcast was one of the most realist things I've listened to or watched all year. And hearing three kind of top top guys in in WWE talking so openly about it and getting really quite emotional it it definitely taught me um more than i did beforehand and i i thought it was very important and very well done 
Yeah, and th- that podcast also had Andreas Hale on it. It was an excellent show uh, to listen to. So that that's a great choice. Way, how about you for best non-wrestling media? Well, I wanted to give an honorable mention to uh, The Last Ride. I think it is among the best of the w- non-wrestling series that WWE has ever produced in their history. Just an unprecedented look at you know a figure that has really been well protected throughout his entire career. But I also went with Dark Side of the Ring Season 2 by Evan Husney, Jason Eisner, and their team at Vice. It's really just proven to me to be a, an incredibly like um, important service for the wrestling community and I think wrestling history as a whole. There have been few productions that have had the resources or the support required to tell these stories at a large enough scale to rival WWE's. But two seasons in, into this series, it's proven to be very successful in capturing the attention of the audience at large. And also allowing various subjects to be able to control the narrative of these very, very important, complex stories in many cases. Season one was really good, but I thought season two was when they really hit their stride. You know, doing great pieces about, man, a number of tragedies. I mean, you know, some of the biggest in our industry, Owen Hart, the death of Chris Benoit. Uh, much of which also consisted the story of Eddie Guerrero's passing as well. The death of Nancy Argentino, Dino Bravo, you know, topics that WWE would never investigate on their own, all handled with a great deal of careful and thorough research. So uh, great job in season two, and I'm looking forward to season three. For me, um, a few that jumped out, I just wanted to mention because it, it, it's not my pick, but I did think the WWE Network did a really great job with uh, a future WWE, the FCW story. Uh, also, the AEW Countdown to Full Gear, which featured in particular all the great Eddie Kingston promos with John Moxley in the lead up uh, to their uh, match at Full Gear. Uh, and Rewind Away on Slam Jam Volume 1 with Wei Ting, <laughs> Nate Milton, and Chris from LA. Yes. That is not an incestuous pick because I was not on that show. So I feel it's fair game for me to make an honorable mention. But uh, what I went with, uh, I, re- I read a lot of books like Davey this year and. I, I gave it as a tie because I think these are two of the best written books uh, out there on the subject matter. The Eighth Wonder of the World, The True Story of Andre the Giant by Bertrand Ibert and Pat LaProd, as well as Shamrock by Jonathan Snowden. These are the most definitive accounts of these um, of these two individuals that any future work will have to rely on the research put out in these books. They are uh, highest of recommendations for these two books. So uh, I went with two books as my best non-wrestling media next category is best series and this is in-ring so we can go uh in terms of actual in-ring wrestling last year uh our best wrestling tv series uh davy and brayden and way all chose nxt i went with glow season three which will not see a (laughs) season four uh let us start with way on this one your best in-ring series to me this was a really easy category to choose this year and my choice was AEW Dynamite really high consistency week to week every week it's such an easy two hours to watch I'm never bored watching Dynamite they've managed to create new stars in guys like Orange Cassidy Darby Allen MJF they always deliver on match quality and satisfying finishes and they almost always manage to give you something to look forward to on a future episode so Really, like, you know, their first complete year of, of existence, I feel like they've managed to honestly deliver um, a great deal of what they promised to at the beginning of it all. So, uh, again, really easy category for me to choose this year. I also went with uh, Dynamite. It's um, a, a lot of just piggybacking off what Way said. And 
when you sit down and look at the match quality you got in this year from the 30-minute Iron Man match with Omega and Pac to, I mean, matches like the parking lot brawl with the best friends against Santana and Ortiz. Dog collar match. Oh, you, we could spend all this time going over the, like the matches you got on free television. It's such an easy two hours to watch. It, it like there's, there's long term booking throughout. There's constantly setting you up for the following week. Like it's just, it's a really well put together two hour show that like way I look forward to uh, each week. Uh, Brayden. Your best, yeah. No, series. I, I, I agree with both of you already. You just you just said what I was gonna say. Like, there's so many things that happen in wrestling. Like, what, because they're such a new product, uh, they're the cool show to me. And we're the NXT podcast, but there's so many more times in this year where we were like, oh man, I wish we were watching NXT second this year. And that's like, come, we're, we're the NXT, and we'll always be NXT. But like, yeah, like half the time, I'm like, damn, I kind of want to watch the other show more. And it's because they deliver like actual rest i feel like cody is a is a nerd when it comes to wrestling and he creates like these moments and like those epic matches you you mentioned like the dog collar match i loved ray phoenix versus penta where they're ripping each other's mask off the storytelling evolves you had kenny like moonsaulting off a cherry picker one time just it feels like a fan service and i I, i've been really enjoying dynamite and i think it's the best show that i watched this year And, and they went through a pandemic and they were they were way better than WWE, I thought, off the off the beginning because they just jumped into this empty arena. But uh, great show. Davey, I, is it a clean sweep or did yeah, you Yeah, go- it's a clean sweep here. Um, just it it doesn't insult me as a show. Uh, I love, I love, love, love that there are clean finishes. Um, and then whenever they use a dirty finish, it's for a reason and it's to drive story forward, not just to because they've booked themselves into a corner. Um it's it's overall even their their kind of worst weeks have been very enjoyable uh and as Braden says well we do nxt but more often than not we're kind of itching to watch dynamite like we love nxt as well but dynamite's just knocked it out the park this year no dynamite spoilers in the chat no dynamite spoilers in the chat (laughs) on our twitch chats do you uh way do you look at in the new year whenever this third hour is introduced like do you do you think that like part of the um, enjoyment of dynamite is the fact that yes, you can watch dark, but it's clearly shoulder programming where you have your must see two hours and you can follow this product with those two hours. Uh, do you worry about the addition of that third hour and that it's, it's going to force people to, you know, maybe it, it becomes too much of a commitment each week. I feel like there's still enough interest in the show that I don't think it'll be too much yet. I mean, I think much of that will depend on the type of show that they present for that third hour. Um, I think it has to be different enough that provides something that people aren't necessarily getting and that are not being satisfied by just with Dynamite. I think one of the complaints that we are starting to see with Dynamite at the end of 2020 is that there's almost too much on the show. It moves too fast. By the end of the show, there are angles that you might not be able to digest. If this third hour can possibly you know, alleviate some of that load off of dynamite proper. I think it could ultimately be a very good thing, but if it's another, you know, basically another hour of dynamite on a separate day, I, I do question how much of the, of the audience cares. Um, but of course, you know, they, they can load it up with like big enough matches, big enough shows. I'm definitely curious to see what they can do. Next up is most improved performer. Last year, I chose Lance Archer way selected John Moxley Braden went with Rey Mysterio 
And in the most controversial pick of the 2019 Best of Show, Davey Portman named King Corbin the most improved performer of the year. Yes, uh, and I should note, I believe we we are trying to reconnect with Davey and uh, Braden right now, so maybe we, we have to get their uh, picks a little bit afterwards. But um, I went with my most improved. Again, honorable mention, I think I should give to Jay Uso, who a year ago really even half a year ago was pretty much in that like tag team mix where one of his partners is gone and you don't hear from the other person again. He should thank his stars that the 24 seven division is not a part of SmackDown. Cause that's where Jay Uso would find himself right now in the same place that Eric Rowan is. He probably would have even like been raw underground or something. So he should count his blessings that somehow he became a SmackDown guy. So uh, Jay Uso gets my honorable mentions, but my pick for most improved this year, I almost forgot this person because it's been so long since we've heard from her. But once I re- remembered her, I felt like she was a textbook perfect candidate for this award this year, and that's Sonya Deville. Prior to this year, she spent most of her WWE run as this like kind of half-assed MMA character without like any sort of real-life credentials of somebody like a Ronda Rousey or a Shayna Baszler. Uh, really just even kind of lurking in the shadows of her higher profile tag team partner and Mandy Rose as a part of Fire and Desire. Uh, no real notable singles feuds to sp- or storylines to speak of. But this year, like really from out of nowhere, she just like, she just really came into her own as this like kind of brand new heel character playing off of the jealousy of her, of Mandy Rose, stealing the scene pretty much in all of her on-screen appearances and, you know, it culminated in their match at SummerSlam, which, uh, I mean, unfortunately, the run was cut short. We all know why due to real-life cir- circumstances. But we have to definitely applaud her and Mandy for being able to finish off their storyline regardless. And also, she definitely gave me, like, enough hope that whenever she comes back, she'll be able to pick right back up, hopefully in the same spot. So my pick goes to Sonya Deville. That's a great pick. Um, I, I had a few honorable mentions here. Jay Uso was in there. I would also be remiss not to mention Dr. Britt Baker when you look at where she was a year ago and then developing the heel character, the Dark Order that had a major turnaround this year. Uh, but then I kind of had it down to two people. Uh, one would be uh, Julia, who is now the uh, wonder of stardom champion. And, you know, from when you look at where she was at the beginning of the year and pegged to be one of the breakout stars. And the big question was, would she be able to grow to that level? And this year, I think she made vast improvements. So uh, she was my runner-up. But the one I went with was Yuya Uemura from New Japan Pro Wrestling. To me, uh, he was already a guy that you could see had all of the tools ready. But this year, to me, he ascended and got the spotlight throughout the G1, working with Yoda Suji and Gabriel Kidd night after night. And to me, he was the one that to just had everything down and this guy to me i look at as a future superstar and this was a year that he grew exponentially and given this uh, covid world that we're in it's going to be very interesting to watch the development of some of these young lions because excursions may not be an option for some do they get fast tracked to uh, a different level in 2021 are they going to kind of stay in this role so for him 2021 is a, an important year of what is the next step in his career but i would say from January 1st to today, uh, he made significant inroads and to me is one of the highlights of New Japan undercards anytime he is on the card. Great choice. Uh, I believe we have Braden and Davey back. Are you guys there? Yes. Technical difficulties. Retribution. 
so th- we're picking people who have improved. Uh, and that is, that is the category. Most improved. <laughs> so I'm glad you're going to pick people that have improved and not re- regressed throughout the year. I know I chose Ray Mysterio last year, which is crazy considering he got his eye ripped out. So I guess he's uh, deproved. I don't know. Um, I picked someone that I'm not necessarily saying I didn't think already had it, but this year was just definitely a breakout year. And I think it was the character I was most interested in in wrestling this year. And that's Hangman Adam Page, because he went from being such uh, what people called the Adam Cole ripoff in the Bullet Club years ago to like totally coming out into this this character that just seems to to get it uh, from his little silly graphics on his entrance to like the character and whether it be comedy or like cowboy shit like he's just it's it's coming to like full now and i i think in the next few years the character will even continue to 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 grow and get bigger but i i i think hangman has just improved so much he's a character i I love watching it's such a weird uh like category especially this year because it's like Roman Reigns springs to mind because yeah. his character has improved so much and really stepped forward to that level. But it seems weird picking a guy who's already won the world title like four times to be most improved. So I'm going to go to our show. I'm going to go to NXT and I've picked Raquel Gonzalez. Oh, uh, that's good. She is someone we were following in that May Young Classic. I saw her in some of those Evolve shows when I was covering that. Um, when she was up against like Shotzi Blackheart and stuff. And I remember us, I think we were quite harsh on her during that Mae Young Classic where she wore like the, the assless, chaps assless chaps and oh, all yeah. that. And I think she's really come into her own and I see her just getting better and better. If, if they want that kind of monster on the main roster in the women's division, I think she can fill that role and she is way better than any of the other monsters they've got up there already. So I think she's really stepped up her game this year. Honorable mention to Tai Chi. Tai Chi as well. Yeah. 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 Our next uh, category is best broadcaster. Last year, I went with Excalibur. Way went for the team of Mauro Ranallo, Nigel McGuinness, and Beth Phoenix that are no longer together. Braden Harrington chose Kevin Kelly, and Davey Portman picked Mauro Ranallo. Davey, you kick us off for best broadcaster of 2020. Um, I've gone for Tony Schiavone this year. Um, I just think he's so fantastic. He he does both kind of the play-by-play and the color. Uh, he just sounds so excited about everything that's going on. You feel like he's just been kind of in a coma the last 20 years from wrestling and he's woken up and he's seeing what it's become. <laughs> and he's great in the, the storyline elements as well. All his stuff with Britt Baker, all his stuff with uh, Don Callis recently. Um I just think he's so all-round and so likable. So I'm going with Tony Schiavone. Yeah, I, I'm going to jump in and just say I agree completely. Uh, I know there's a three-man booth there, and I, I like all of them. I know JR is not everyone's cup of tea lately, but hearing Tony and JR together mixed with Excalibur, the only thing I don't like is how they critique Excalibur for naming moves. Hey, it's we like, got worst of in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, but Tony Schiavone is the glue that holds that together. And yeah, he is so great to watch. Uh, but I was watching some matches back as well. Honorable mention to uh, Childish Gambino, Gino Gambino over in New Japan. I kind of think he has a great, strong voice and just is a big fan of it all as well. I think he's someone I want to hear more of in New Japan. Way, your pick for best broadcaster. 
Yeah, I like to, I, I, you know, like last year, I like to pick in teams um, because I, I think, you know, together, like a, a whole team creates one one's whole voice. And I have to say, like, this one was a bit tougher for me this year. I didn't think anybody was like, you know, particularly bad, but I didn't think anybody was standout great either. If I had to pick my favorite team of the shows I watch regularly, it would be Excalibur, Tony Schiavone, and Jim Ross on Dynamite. Um, I guess for, for sheer fact that it seems like they at least have their own personalities bring, uh, you know, being brought to the mix rather than simply being the puppet voice of, of another person. So, um, and I think they do definitely a, a very good amicable, amicable job of, you know, conveying storylines, pushing talent. Uh, none of these teams are perfect, but I mean, of the crop that we've had this year, they would be my pick. For me, um, I know we, we are largely just uh, centered here on these picks with, with pro wrestling. I'll give my honorable mention to John Anik because I think he is like a pro's pro. And I think that he is just a fantastic quarterback on the UFC broadcasts. But this year, I am making this pick because for multiple years, I've greatly enjoyed this person's commentary. And I have not picked them in the past because I have felt that it would be uh, considered a, a pick that it would be <laughs> I know where you go. someone that used to have an affiliation with us. And I penalized this person for that. Well, I'm sorry. This guy is fantastic. I learned so much during the New Japan broadcast when he is on the call, and that is Chris Charlton. So I am picking him. He is not someone that comes from a traditional broadcasting background, but his knowledge is second to none. It so enhances the matches when he can incorporate backstories that go back years, when he's bringing up the significance of the building that they're in, of past affiliations with groups. He will create stories that take a match to another level just with the backstory. And he, like, some of his reactions just sound so genuine uh that i i think he is uh, a tremendous uh broadcaster so this year i'm i'm picking chris charlton and probably should have picked him in the past so come at me oh i thought you were leading up to more ronaldo and snoop dog <laughs> <laughs> well no snoop dog will be a uh up for wrestling commentator in 2021 when he sits in on dynamite in a few weeks yeah, I still just want him calling like all those BBC Planet Earth stuff. That's what I'm aiming for. That's when it's, he's hit it. <laughs> all right. Our our next uh, choice is best gimmick. And uh, the closest to this last year was best character, where I went with MJF. Way you had Orange Cassidy. Braden chose Chris Jericho, as did Davey Portman. Uh, I will start this one off. And I went with the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. I think the, the re- Imaging of Roman Reigns since he came back in August has been such a resurgence, not just for him, but for that entire show. He has dominated it, and it has been, to me, it's been a trickle-down effect that SmackDown has benefited from. It, when we talk about the, the poor execution of so many babyfaces in WWE, that has not been the case of opponents for Roman Reigns. That when you have this dominant heel to work off of, it has benefited the likes of Jay Uso, and it has given something substantive for Kevin Owens, who has always been in this utility role. And this has been something you can see he can really sink his, his teeth into. So I think he has been just, um, you know, this is something it's been a long time coming, and he is excelling on all fronts. I think he is the highlight of SmackDown at present. Over to you, Braden. Your best gimmick. Yeah, you're picking head of the table, but I'm picking someone who's always hungry, and that's John Silver from AEW because this guy went from being enhancement talent on NXT to 
enhancement talent on AEW to becoming this character that's either on a lot of cocaine or Mountain Dew. I'm still not sure, but uh, he's just someone that has taken the BTE thing and run with it. Um, obvious, uh, like shout out to Hangman Page being like the the drunk essentially, but the the character that stands out to me is the guy who's somehow doing a comedy gimmick, but then when he has matches like delivers. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing where this character kind of evolve, uh, especially with uh, some things uh, going into the future with like the recent passing of the dark orders leader, Brody Lee rest in peace. But now going forward, it's almost like they're going to get a a whole new, like maybe face turn, but I see big things for John Silver. And I think it's because of this zany character he, he puts on here. That's really uh, strange, but it works for me. How about you? eh? I also went with uh, Roman Reigns, Tribal Chief. I I think, you know, the moment that we knew that Roman was turning heel and saw him align with Paul Heyman, I I feel like that would have been the biggest headline. Roman Reigns teams with Paul Heyman. But several months into this, I feel like the Paul Heyman Association is almost an afterthought. And that's because Roman Reigns himself has crafted such a unique and effective persona that is just magnetic all on his own. Um you know, I love the slow burn of the reveal as well. He spent like the better part of a month not talking a whole lot, but once he did, he was a level of sinister and mean that I don't think I don't think anybody expected. We had always wondered what a heel Roman Reigns would be like. I don't think anybody expected one to be this cerebral. The feud with Jey Uso again plucked him out of obscurity, helped elevate him into a star, and really became the perfect vehicle to display just how mean this Roman Reigns heel character was to the entire world. The fact that he could do this to his own family member showed you that he basically would have no mercy with any other character within that WWE, you know, roster. So he's completely opened up the SmackDown babyface division to so many great potential feuds. Even somebody who was, you know, pretty much like kind of cast aside at this point in Kevin Owens, He's doing some of the best work that I think, you know, he has in a very long time. We have to look forward to even just on SmackDown, a Daniel Bryan feud, Rey Mysterio feud, a Big E feud. These are all programs that can really make these baby faces. Even the matches that Roman Reigns has had have all been very unique, taking full advantage of the the kind of lack of atmosphere or the lack of live crowd to be able to do a lot more stage acting than we typically see in a pro wrestling environment. And it's all like received overwhelmingly positive praise. So I think we're only scratching the surface of like what this Roman Reigns thing is, especially with his further association with Paul Heyman. So I can't really wait to see them tell the rest of that story. You mentioned the positive praise the characters received. Do you feel that we would have almost had an opposite effect if there had been crowds that they would be getting behind this character under normal circumstances. Absolutely. Yeah. That's one of the things that I think we're, you know, this weird 2020 has kind of really worked out in the favor of a character like that. But I, I have no doubt that he'd be a baby face by now. Davey, you are the last one to choose best gimmick for 2020. Yeah. I, I'm going to say a honorable mention because John and way you, you both pick Roman, uh, which is also my pick. But this one's not completely finalized yet, but I'm loving this whole Zia Lee direction they're doing in NXT right now. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. So as a whole kind of new gimmick change thing, I, that's one that's really got my attention. But yeah, you, you've said it all. R- Roman, they could have easily just done the heel turn where he comes out and goes, I would do everything for you fans and all you do is boo me, the, the stuff we hear over and over again. But instead they've, done something completely different with the character and it's 
100% believable. It's making his matches way more interesting. And he just looks like that megastar that they were trying to get him over to be all these years. Uh, so yeah, Roman Reigns is my pick. None of us really said it, but some people in the chat room are talking about MVP. And, you know, if if not for this category, certainly I, I think we should mention him at least for most improved, as at least as far as, you know, his status in, in the wrestling world. So uh, I, his name should not go unmentioned on this show. Best on the mic. Last year, Davey and Braden chose Chris Jericho. Way and I picked Cody. Uh, so uh, we will start things off with Way. Who was the best on the mic? I think there's a lot of candidates that you can go in. Like for all the, t- uh, like we discuss about where promos are these days. I mean, it's, I think like you're getting um, a much, especially this year, like WWE included, like some of those empty arena shows, we got to see like some great promos this year. Absolutely. Um, my choice was somebody who, you know, really was not on the radar at all for me, at least, you know, not on a major scale to the point where I feel like I'd be able to talk about him on a best of show in a category as in, you know, major as this one. But my pick this year would have to be Eddie Kingston, you know, to go from near retirement in this business to all of a sudden main eventing one of the major pay-per-views of the year in one of the hottest programs of the year. To me, this is one of the great wrestling success stories of 2020. And I think, you know, an indicator of AEW's ability to recognize talent above so many other factors that would have prevented this guy from even being employed on a full-time basis, you know, much less being fast-tracked to, like, the top of the card. From his first appearance against Cody for that TNT Open Challenge to several promos and that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, a bit more on the show, his feud with John Moxley, his ability to make me invested in a story in a very short amount of time was to me unmatched this year um i think you know i look forward to hearing your picks but like as far as like somebody who's been able to get me to want to spend money to see him wrestle um he's been able to do it probably at a level that i don't think anybody else has yeah i'll follow because eddie kingston was my pick as well i don't think there was a a more enjoyable promo that i'm gonna think back on than the one going into full gear where he said he's going to get that title show it to his mom and say, this is why you don't have a grandchild. Like that was the greatest go home line that take my money and order this pay-per-view. He came in and that was a guy that the door was open for him and he kicked it down and he earned himself a spot on the show. And like none of this was in the plans to headline a pay-per-view when he came in and he was just so goddamn great that he was the natural pick when Lance Archer was not available to go with for the pay-per-view um, after they just did, well, they did the TV match and then it just made all the sense in the world to follow up on that. So uh, I also would give an honorable mention to John Moxley, who I think was just a excellent promo for the, the world champion that he is just this guy who comes in, he kicks ass and he'll take on all comers and his promos were consistently great all year long. But I think that there are many different uh, candidates uh, for this uh, particular award. Uh, Braden, where did you go? I mean, we're talking about best on the mic. What about the guy who, uh, well, I mean, there was two of them who did a live singing show in a dinner debonair, which was uh, very good on the mic. Great pipes, that MJF kid. Uh, I think though, I have to give the honorable mention to MJF because he sold me on everything he's done. He's, he, he acts like such a dick and I believe it. And it's such a character that 
I don't think we we've seen enough of yet. We're going to see the evolution of it, but I agree with the two of you. Eddie Kingston is someone, if you've seen him on the Indies, you know, like his work rate, he's always kind of been that, that gangster. And now he's brought it to a TV show and it's almost like he worked his way. He, he worked your way into a shoot, but the other way around, because it's like, it worked in his favor. And I don't know. I don't know how they managed to sell me on that match with him and Moxley, but his promos in it did just that. I, I had to watch that match just as a wrestling fan, the way he talked his way into it. It was just fantastic. There's been a lot of good talkers this year, but he is just on another level. Davey. Uh, yeah. Again, I think this is at this whole year as a whole, and maybe it's the, the empty arena thing. I feel a lot of talents have up their game with promos. Um, and I think you've had some fantastic ones all year. Like I think Taz has been great. Mm-hmm. Um, we we got to go back to NXT, but Pat McAfee, like who'd have thought yeah. it? Like he's been fantastic. He's but Eddie Kingston, it's got to be. He talked his way into a job with AEW <laughs> from his mic skills. He then talked himself into the main event of Full Gear, which with a card that you had Hangman versus Kenny and the Bucks versus FTR. Leading into that show, the match everyone was most excited for was Eddie Kingston, John Moxley. And I think so much of that has to go down to his, his promo. Uh, he's had a fantastic year. Honorable mention, though, to Davey Portman with uh, visitors from Calgary uh, coming to Toronto during the <laughs> pandemic. That was quite a promo that he cut as well. So check yeah, out the up. That was a Patreon. pretty good promo. Should hear his promo on Tinder this last week. Yeah, behind the BDE is just where I practice my promos. <laughs> promos Start with a Tinder. smaller audience. An amazing show. The best event of the year. So uh, this encompasses the whole year. So we will see how much of a premium you put on crowds versus limited crowds versus no crowds. Last year, my pick was New Japan's Royal Quest at the Copper Box in London. Way you chose the A-Block final of the G1, which was featuring Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi. Braden chose NXT New York, uh, NXT TakeOver New York, as did Davey Portman. This year, uh, my pick was the October 10th G1 card from Osaka. Uh, this was one of the best shows I've seen, period. It featured Kazuchika Okada defeating Shingo Takagi. That unbelievable match between Kota Ibushi and Minoru Suzuki. Uh, one of the best Taichi matches I've seen with Will Ospreay. Uh, a short but fun match with Jay White and Yujiro and kicking things off with Jeff Cobb defeating Tomohiro Ishii, which was pretty excellent just to start off the show. And I think everyone was raving about this card. Uh, an honorable mention to night one of Wrestle Kingdom, which uh, Way and I were there for live and was, I thought, an incredible show. My favorite of the two nights uh, we went to. Uh, but let's go on over to Davey with your best event of 2020. John, I, I went for exactly the same as you, G1 Day 13. I thought every match on that show delivered. And even Yujiro, who was the the low light of the whole tournament, his match with Jay White actually had a purpose and drove forward story. And mm-hmm. I found it very entertaining. And then, yeah, you've got that uh, Suzuki Ibushi, which is one of my matches of the year, which was fantastic. As you said, Osprey Taichi, Takagi Okada, uh, it was just stacked top to bottom. I loved it. Yeah, that's my pick. Braden. Yeah, uh, yeah look, uh, John, you guys were at Wrestle Kingdom. I'm, I'm so jealous. Looking in hindsight, I wish we had tagged along because then the world shut down. Uh, 
I, I want to go back to a Wrestle Kingdom again in the near future. That's my first thing on the bucket list once we're out of this. Wrestle let, Kingdom. let me say, before all of this began, the original social distancer, W.H. Park, who on night two decided to get up and go sit with Rob Conway way up away from everybody. He was way more than six feet away from anybody else. So there you go, a trendsetter, W.H. Park. He was busy taking photos of his food. <laughs> uh, I, I have a, a tough pick because... I really enjoyed Wrestle Kingdom night one. I think realistically that is like the pick for me because it had Okada, Ibushi, and then Osprey Takahashi, which are two classics in my opinion. So to have them on the same night. So that is definitely my pick because all the other stuff on that card is amazing. And I'm jealous you guys were, were got to be there to watch that stuff because it goes down as a classic event to me. But my shout out is to NXT Halloween Havoc because from top to bottom, wrestling is supposed to be fun. And that show was exactly that. It was so much fun. I love spooky season. And they delivered with zombies and uh, a TLC with TLC scares or tables, ladders, scares, all that stuff. It was just, it, it, it allowed me to actually check out for two hours. And we did a watch along, a costume party with our patrons, which was also so much fun. And I, I felt like that stood out to me. Over all these years, they never brought back Halloween Havoc. But uh, I know, I, I guess I could just say there, it's a tie for me because the wrestling, Wrestle Kingdom Night One, but the actual event of Halloween Havoc was just great to watch. Way, which episode of Raw was it? Oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, was it the one with uh, the, the, the T-Bar um, beating Ricochet or the one with Mace beating Ricochet? I think it was uh, either one of those two. But um, you guys actually, um, I was flip-flopping between two choices for this category. And I think I, the two of you, John and Davey, just convinced me to pick the other one because I have, have to have something else to talk about. But uh, my runner-up this year is G1 Day 13, Minoru Suzuki versus Kota Ibushi. At the time, my favorite match of the G1. Um, but my pick for show of the year this year goes to AEW Revolution. This is the show that was headlined by John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. It also contained MGF versus Cody and Kenny Omega and Adam Page taking on the Young Bucks, which I'm assuming we'll at least talk about a little bit more later on in the show. One of the things I really loved about the show as well was how they managed to make an Orange Cassidy singles match feel so important, putting this right in front of the main event. And to me, being able to add great variety to, to this show that otherwise was already stacked um, and turning Orange Cassidy into that much of a draw uh, made it that much more complete to me. So I went with AEW Revolution. Back in a time when we watched shows together. Remember, we watched it back, in the basement oh, back in Damian. the time when everybody watched shows together. I miss you. Yeah, Such it was like one of the, the last like live live audience shows. Yeah, as Cinderella mm. said, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. It's true. <laughs> so now hey, we can we say that's one of the best promo packages this year. A quick shout out to some promo and and stuff using Cinderella in that video package was fantastic, as well as WWE using War Pigs in War Games was great. And I know uh, we didn't really add best return because it's you know not everyone always returns but edge making uh alter bridge relevant yet again because i know everyone was banging alter bridge metal angus this year so i, I don't know if i can pick that as theme of the year but it, it got re-entered into a lot of people's playlists i think yes alter bridge the band that won't go away uh <laughs> thanks to edge best feud last year I chose Minoru Suzuki versus Jushin Thunder Liger. Way went with Jordan Devlin versus David Starr. Braden Harrington selected 
Becky Lynch, Ronda Rousey, and Charlotte Flair. And Davey picked Kofi Kingston versus everyone. Everybody. <laughs> he had even, a good year. Even Brock Lesnar? <laughs> Everybody, yes. Everybody. <laughs> uh, this year, who did you pick, Davey? Were you, uh, were you more specific? Yeah, I was. I was torn between a really serious feud done really, really well and a really ridiculous feud doing well, depending who you are. Um, <laughs> I, I know listening to your shows, Way and I are usually on the same page. Oh, so God, gonna, you're going with The Fiend, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not going with The Fiend. No. I'm going with Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins. Oh, God. A feud that went on for way longer than I expected it to. Is but it still going on? It Kind of, kind of. But it actually held my attention the whole time. And it, it kind of beat me into submission because it started off so ridiculous. And then I just kind of turned the corner and started accepting what they were doing. And I mean, it's a feud that led to someone's eye coming out of its socket. Like, I mean, and then growing back, anything, like, I mean, and then growing back, how can anything top that? And then you add the whole Aaliyah and Dominic and Murphy element to it as well. It, in my, it was the perfect feud. Listen, was this, this feud did bring us feud. Dominic, which brought me great joy this year. <laughs> so uh, I, I will definitely give you that. Okay. So a vote for Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins. Way. Where did you go for best feud of the year? Yeah, you know, uh, I have to say, like earlier in the year, um, if you if we had like a midpoint of the year awards, um, maybe more so like first of three months of the year awards, I think this <laughs> would have been a real real lock. Because all I'm trying to say is that Edge versus Randy Orton had some of the best promos feud, you know, uh, week to week, and um, that to me is really saying something, especially on a show where there where it's not really known for its promos um however i think where they fumbled was that match at wrestlemania if you cut out the chunk between wrestlemania and uh backlash um the, what, what yeah like if you cut out that whole chunk and just basically took the build from the rumble to wrestlemania and then watch the backlash match I feel like you can consider that <laughs> yeah. a feud of the year. I yeah. I mean, that's a lot of qualifications attached to it, but a little bit of a stumble in between maybe kind of prevents it from being my pick for best feud. So I'm going to go with the one that to me has been perfect, even though it was not necessarily as long. I'm going with Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. Again, you know, uh, it's the debut of this Roman Reigns character in this sort of like personal deep story that is so unusual for a wwe main main roster product you know to be able to like get so deep into the storyline of jay uso this guy who nobody really thought about as a singles competitor um you know uh having to live up to the expectations of uh you know being in the shadow of both his brother and his uh you know uh more handsome bigger stronger more athletic older cousin in 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 roman reigns it was incredibly like realistic and the matches i thought were fantastic as well so uh that's my pick for best feud i did go with randy orton and edge i i didn't enjoy the wrestlemania match but i think the combination of the return uh the the turn the next night on raw the angle with orton and beth phoenix this year completely revitalized randy orton i think that Edge's return did wonders for this guy's year, and it was able to be 
like the promo work from Edge was top shelf for me. And the only hindrance that people are going to have about that backlash match is the title they chose to market it because you take that title away it was awesome it was a fantastic match uh unfortunately edge got injured during it but it will be likely revisited um i thought yes there were definitely missteps here and there i think the wrestlemania match didn't land with a lot of people but as a whole uh the fact that wwe got that amount of mileage out of that feud i think edge brought the absolute best out of randy orton and that's that's carried over even as they put him into some horrendous programs since and i think he will likely get back on track once edge returns so uh that did that did get my my selection uh, the last one was Braden. Do you have yeah. to put your your pick? Yeah, I, I I honestly loved Randy Orton just randomly turning it on this year, and then having this great feud with Edge when he came back. The whole angle with him turning on him and the continuation. I think I agree with Way. If you kind of place it like that, leading up to that Backlash match, the greatest match ever. That was third on WWE's list of the best matches this year. The greatest match ever. Um. It was really good. Uh, another one that kind of sticks to me, I don't know if this counts, but the fact that the Young Bucks, Hangman, and Kenny all kind of feuded with each other while being friends, and then maybe more so Hangman and Kenny kind of feuding, but not really feuding with each other is like the small little things that eventually will lead to bigger things. But that it was also the- as confusing as you just outlined it. Yeah, it, and it was. So that's why I'm not, I'm, I'm going to agree and say that uh, it's Edge versus Randy Orton because all of a sudden it made Randy Orton just the biggest bad guy. Everybody, uh, it seems like years ago when Edge just returned at the Rumble, but Randy was the biggest heel again, and I love it. But one more honorable mention, Andrew Thompson versus, I don't know, like everybody because uh, he was real sour after losing at Survivor Series. So uh that's a, that's a big feud, too, that kind of is going to go on into the new year. Well, guys, I mean, Edge might be at home rehabbing, but I've heard so is Andrew Thompson. And the Royal Rumble, I think you guys are in for a real threat. He's going to be like Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, at yeah. Royal Rumble 2015. Yeah, no. He'll make his big return and just get knocked off the apron by Rusev. That's no, what's happening. He's going to be like Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. Yeah, try to kiss somebody and then get kicked in the face and gone <laughs> in three seconds. Uh, he. He uh, he's not a threat because I don't know if you follow at up next podcast on Twitter, the, uh, the Royal rumble game zoom game is coming soon. And we have to Daniel Bryan's in the real Royal rumble. So we thought we'd enter our first announcement of the Royal rumble. Number one, Andrew Thompson. Oh, he's just, he's drawn that number. It's, he's got to run the gauntlet. Yeah. He got to run the gauntlet. Uh, so uh, we'll see what happens there, but that was a good feud this year. And uh, just, uh, just remember that I won. What was your real pick? Uh, my real pick? Yeah, for this. For this? Yeah. Uh, oh, it was Edge and Randy. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Braden has a weird way of going the most roundabout way before we finally <laughs> get to the destination. Many honorable mentions along the way. Okay, this is a new category this year because there were plenty of them. The cinematic match of the year. We will start off with Mr. Cinema himself. I don't even know what that means. Wei Ting! Mr. Cinema, Wow. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, uh, that's a lot of pressure, but uh, cinematic match of the year. I uh, spent a great deal of time thinking about this match. Uh, I loved this match. The Firefly Funhouse is something that I never expected to talk about um, in in as much detail as I have. Um, 
However, it is not my pick for cinematic match of the year. Oh, my reason for that, in hindsight, at the end of it all, when we, I would say like the cinematic match is still a category that very much has been defined this year by uh, the number of submissions that it's received. And by the end of the year, can I consider it a match? Does it qualify as even a cinematic match? I don't think so. I think it's more of a TV segment or a short film, something more akin to see no evil or glow than even something like final deletion. So unfortunately I personally have to disqualify it from my being, from it being my cinematic. Wow. Whoa, he rewatched it. And now he hates it. <laughs> I didn't rewatch it. I even, it's just like, it's just my definition. You know, it's it. I loved it. I loved it as one of my favorite wrestling things ever. But my choice for best cinematic match of the year is the elite and Matt Hardy taking on the inner circle in stadium stampede at double or nothing. Uh, technically May 22nd, but the event aired in May 23rd, 2020. This was just uh, in, in, I think if you have to consider it a match, it's got to involve some wrestling moves. And this was one that took, took full advantage of the, you know, um, style of being able to pre-tape something to be able to, you know, uh, intercut between one segment to another segment. And overall, it was just fun. Like the amount of references that were in there, the amount of like fun cutscenes, every pairing between every member of this uh, this match, like managed to managed to create something memorable. And it ended with like one of the most spectacular one winged angels that I think we'll ever see in our lives. Yeah, um, it was it was a match I loved. That was my pick. I just thought this was, you know, all all credit to the Boneyard match. I thought that came off so well, but Stadium Stampede just upped it. Uh, I thought that they they laid that thing out so well. There were so many different chapters to it, from the Hangman Jake Hager scene at the bar to Matt Jackson doing the Northern Lights down the field, <laughs> the usage of the mascot, the moonsault off of the field goal post. And then the one winged angel. I mean, there, there were so many great moments that it was almost a commercial for AEW that you could show to a non fan and they're either going to get it or they're going to hate it. And if they get it, I think it's a great kind of commercial for AEW itself. And I thought that in this year where this was needed from some of these companies, this was where it took all of the elements people enjoyed and just hit a peak with it all. So. That was my choice. Uh, let's go to Braden. Um, how many honorable mentions before we get to your pick? Uh, just one. Stadium Stampede. We did a best match ever part one this week on our Patreon. And that we talked about that match. And you kind of hit it on the, the head there being like, you can show, I showed it to to non-wrestling fans and they enjoyed it and thought it was a lot of fun and just crazy. I mean, especially the, the bar scene with Hangman and Kenny and Hager and stuff. But I'm going to go with, I, I had to, I had to rewatch these to make sure I picked the right one. And I know it still counts from the first time that the, the magic was there, but I'm going to, I'm going to make my pick the boneyard match simply because we didn't get to see the undertakers quote unquote last match. So they filmed this thing with Jeremy Borash, AJ Styles, undertaker watching it. I think the first time was just something so magical as a wrestling fan, seeing undertaker years later, it was just, just so badass, And it came, it provided the world with such glorious memes uh, whether it be Undertaker's face, AJ's face, or his glove. Uh, I just thought from from front to bottom, it's so ridiculous. And it's not wrestling. It's not at all, but it's a cinematch. It's, and it's it's just, it felt like a good, if this was the last time we kind of see the Undertaker in a quote-unquote match, then sure. Because it's just ridiculous and fun and super metal, seeing him drive out there with Metallica on the bike. But uh, 
really it's not a match it's not really wrestling but it was really fun to watch oh that's why it's its own category yeah yeah yeah, definitely Davey where did you go yeah I I went for the Boneyard match as well I think when you think of the the placement of the year um we'd only really just gone into lockdown I think people were being so negative at the time going why are they going ahead with Wrestlemania even why bother if it's going to be in an empty arena with hindsight I think they made the right choice because we still wouldn't have fans now. So it's, are you just going to stop? And I think it, the end of that first night, you watch the Boneyard match and everyone was buzzing. And I think that's something you, you want to get from WrestleMania. You want those as corny as it sounds, those WrestleMania moments. And I think fans were just worried. We weren't going to get that at all this year. And this Boneyard match delivered it. It was a great send off for Undertaker Sure, there's part of me, even though I know it probably wouldn't be very good. I was just like, oh, AJ could probably get a good match out of him. So there's still that bit where I'm like, I would have liked to see something like in a ring. But I thought they they did such a fun production with it all. And I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's the perfect send off to a, a very strange character. A character, like it kind of goes through the, all the stages of it. And mm. it's it's interesting watching the years of his career and it kind of showing that he became the Undertaker, Mark Calloway kind of guy. I thought it was- That fun. Last Ride documentary as well, just talking about him saying promos about the Holy Trilogy. As, as you said, it was American Badass, The Phenom and uh, Mark Calloway. And yeah, all the story into going filming that with Undertaker's brother obviously passing away and that's going through his head filming all this stuff um, must be brutal to do. And I think we maybe underappreciate the amount of work that goes into something like that as well. Yeah. And I remember that night bringing up this point, And I think especially for this year with these matches being uh, important to these different companies, I wish we could get to a place where whether it's a credit roll or something like we could get some recognition because it's a lot of post-production work that goes into these and much beyond just the performers themselves, that this truly is like a massive production. Like that stadium stampede, it was like they did that the day prior. Like this was an like an elaborate 45-minute movie scene that they turned over in a day. Like it's incredible when you think about, and the Boneyard match as well, like to be able to turn this around in such a short period of time, like that takes an exhaustive work staff as well to help put all of this together. The chat room has been going nuts about the worst cinematic matches. And uh, rest assured, in two weeks, we will get to all that. This is a category that I'm really looking forward to. Way has his stuff. that sealed it. The night it them. Yes. Yeah, I can't wait to rewatch those. Best Viking Raiders. <laughs> best promotion. Last year, Way and I picked New Japan, and Brayden Davey picked NXT, which I guess we can say right off the bat, guys. Uh, is NXT in your books, uh, its own promotion. I I put this under the WWE umbrella, but let us start off with you two, with your picks for best promotion this year. Go for it. I I think it's going to be a a clean sweep. Mm. And I think normally we put NXT as its own thing because it feels so different from main roster. This this year, year. I'd say it definitely feels under the WWE banner. It's still one of their best shows, but it feels like it's been WWE-ified a bit more. Um... I'm going to say it, we kind of hit it all with dynamite. It's AEW. Yeah. Um, sure, they've they've had a few misses this year, but as a whole, I find the the weekly shows incredibly enjoyable. Uh, the storylines make sense. They um, the the ideas of doing these kind of Wednesday night big events 
uh, in between pay-per-views, which WWE seem to be doing the same thing and learning from, which it's crazy to think that a, a company being around for decades is is kind of taking ideas from this upstart within the first year. I, I just think um, they've got such an exciting roster, um, great matches. It, it's absolutely AEW for me. They yeah. were my pick as well. Um, sorry, Braden. No, no, go for it. Go same. for it. Uh, I, I would add just to what Davey said, like we, we kind of went over this with like best TV show, but they were also a show that, I mean, they got a brand new deal from TNT in January. That was huge for them this year, given what was going to happen uh, in the months to come. So it was just on a financial level too, that they were on much steadier ground, even when they launched in October, 2019. Uh, the match quality was through the roof. The pay-per-views by and large delivered. I guess that there, if, if you want to look at, I guess it was the all out pay-per-view that I think would have been the one that had the most criticism uh, this year, but I thought Double or Nothing performed very strong. Full Gear was a great show. Revolution was a fantastic show. And the week-to-week television, I think, like, they had all their stories laid out. And it's not just the matches. Like, we went through a lot of the great talkers that they have uh, showcased on Dynamite this this year. Way, did you go any different than AEW? No. Clean sweep. AEW, no question. Another really easy one for me this year. Um, really, nothing, nothing more to be said. Yeah, I, I'll Sorry, say it's, like it's, we're, it sucks for the last person on the. Clean no, switch. it's all good. We're it's the good. we're the NXT show, and like I still like NXT, but it's totally a complete different show. It's not the cool show anymore. And AEW as a promotion did, like I mentioned earlier, did the quickest turnaround of having. Uh, maybe it's just the gun club being in the front row, always being the crowd for the, it just, they made it the quickest thing. I know wrestling, sorry, non-wrestling fans, friends would message me like, Oh, I tuned in after basketball or whatever to watch this show. It's not WWE, but it's, it's interesting. And it, it kind of made the alternative, but like you said, WWE seems to be taking things from them now. And how, how funny is that? But it gave us like great storytelling, great matches and, and I don't know, Hangman, Adam Page on a horse. It gives me everything I think I needed in wrestling. It's the cool show and it's a lot of fun to watch. And and they had some ups and downs with some things as a promotion. Like you said, that maybe a pay-per-view kind of bombed. But there was some stuff with Matt Hardy and people not really supporting AEW the way they handled it. But all in all, uh, AEW was the best promotion. I would say New Japan did a great job with like the, the pandemic era as well. But then they went and booked evil as their double champion. And there's no way anyone's picking new Japan after they did that. So, uh, AEW for me. Okay. Over to best tag team last year. The choices were all over the place. We all had different picks way. You went with Santana and Ortiz. Braden picked the young bucks. I went with Pentagon and Ray Phoenix and Davey. You had the undisputed era. So this year tag team of the year. We'll start with way. Uh, I went with the Young Bucks this year. Um, I feel like th- I'm I'm realizing like in in my head like, there might be a bit of like you know uh, recency bias. You know, just given the fact that I think they're a bit more active now than certainly you know throughout the start of this pandemic. Uh, but I just have to maybe look at their body of work at the end of the year. And to me, like any real significant uh, match involving tag teams this year or just uh, the multi-man matches uh, or the stadium stampede that we just mentioned featured the young bucks uh so i went with them as my favorite tag team best tag team of 2020 just incredibly consistent anytime that they're on screen that you're almost guaranteed a really hot performance and a match that 
has a very high chance of stealing the show. So I continued uh, probably, you know what, my second or third time giving these guys the best tag team of the year award. So the Young Bucks. Davey, your tag team of 2020. Yeah, for, for me, it's the Young Bucks. You look at consistency. Uh, they've the match against FTR, the match against Kenny and Hangman. Um, you look on TV like those, that crazy eight man match, which what, what was it? Them and uh, FTR versus Butcher and the Blade, which was nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, kicking off Dynamite just to really exciting matches every week. I think they're the most consistent team of the year. I think there have been other tag teams that have done some good stuff, but nothing on the consistency of the Bucks. It's crazy because I, I really didn't like the way the Bucks had portrayed their character for a little while of a chunk of this year where they're super kicking people randomly. It didn't work at all. And it really soured me on the character. I'm like, you guys are the best. I, like you mentioned, I picked them last year. I, I picked them again this year because exactly what you guys said, they always deliver. And for me, it's not only the classics that they've delivered us, our matches of the year and so forth, but the the week to week stuff, whether it be matches against like new teams, like private party or top flight or even the acclaimed, like just random teams that they have, they seem to help and elevate and they seem to still be on top of their game. And I think every time the young, they're, they're still a draw. They still steal the show. And every time I, I, I love watching their matches, I, I, I pick them as my best team. Authors as well. This authors, year. they're published authors. Did yeah. you read their book, Davey? I did. Yes. All right. It was a very good book. I'd, I'd yeah, I, re- I really enjoyed it. I went with quite the, as good as the Bellas, but <laughs> that's one that you read that I did not. So he's waiting for the Liv Morgan it book. Trust me, trust me. Good. He's definitely waiting for that. You're one. waiting for that Grand Metal League, <laughs> yeah, yeah, documentary. Really, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a clean sweep. I went with the Young Bucks as well. I thought that, yeah, I had the same issues with like the the build up to FTR. I think was kind of bungled, but overall, I mean, these they've kept the Young Bucks very special when they wrestle on Dynamite. Like, it wasn't as if it was a rarity that they wrestled, but it also was, like, it's special. Like, they, their quarters do fantastic. They have been able to bring the best out of the teams they're with, whether it's uh, that tag match you're going back with with Butcher and the Blade, whether it's with Top Flight back in November, uh, whether it's with the Acclaim that we, we just saw. The FTR match, I thought, lived up to extremely high expectations, and the match at Revolution was unbelievable. Um, so I I actually thought this was a category that I was very confident in the Young Bucks winning Thanks for sweet. 2020. Yes, four for four. We have four categories to go. The next one is Female Wrestler of the Year. Last year, Davey and Braden chose Io Shirai. Way picked Shayna Baszler, and I had Tessa Blanchard. So the best female wrestler of 2020, according to Davey Portman, is... Um, I'm going to say that I think this is the best wrestler of 2020. Um, And that is Sasha Banks. I think she's had such a killer year. Um, Has proved to be, if you're talking about kind of a draw, she's proven to be a ratings draw with uh, on her segments on SmackDown with Bayley, uh, her NXT matches. Um, I think she's been consistently putting out really great work. Um, I love the the Hell in a Cell match against Bayley. I love that Io Shirai match. Uh, the tag matches were great. And she, that DDT. Again, I'm still not saying any spoilers, but that tornado ddt on, it's, it's been more than a week come on fuck it that she tornado D- dt'd boba fett come yeah. on sasha does that DDT. wrestler of the year yeah that's pretty wild <laughs> okay that, that is the way way female wrestler yeah. of 2020 yeah i I'm, I'm not different at all and and the fact that you know davy you you 
you just even I didn't even consider whether or not I would, you know, consider this person best wrestler period, but I think I have to agree with you. Like she might be my best wrestler of 2020. She is my best wrestler of 2020, Sasha Banks. To me this has been the year where she really finally reached the potential that we all saw coming out of NXT. She had accomplished a lot prior, but this year she felt like the number one act in the women's division, certainly, maybe even the entire company. Of course, it helped that Becky and Charlotte, for the most part, were inactive for most much of this year. But I think even if they were, like Sasha would have still beat them in terms of storylines and the combination of that and in-ring quality. She was involved in a fantastically handled feud with Bailey that absolutely made up for their first attempt a few years back. And just that incredibly consistent body of matches with several people on this roster, Asuka, Bailey, even Carmella recently. Uh, her outfits have just been untouchable this year. Agreed. And that to me is a big part of, you know, somebody's star status. Uh, and again, she DDT'd Boba Fett. So <laughs> no accolade will touch that this year. If, if you both uh, believe that for like future years, should this just be wrestler of the year rather than distinguishing between male I, and female? I, for this person, potential like category, I like to distinguish just the way, you know, because they, the, the way they don't we fight each other. Yeah, like the way we we don't we distinguish tag teams from like, you know, other categories too. match of the year, I think in the future will start to become a lot more clouded, especially as intergender wrestling becomes, you know, a bit more of a norm. Mm. Um, But I I still like to like maybe split it up for, you know, best wrestler uh, for now. I'm going to preface by saying I did not pick Sasha Banks. So, (laughs) Braden, I ask you, uh, are you uh, on the Sasha Banks uh, side? You can't deny Sasha's had a crazy year. For me, it's definitely the Star Wars thing. Like, as soon as she showed up in The Mandalorian, I'm like, that is pretty fucking cool, uh, I will say. But uh, I did not pick that one. I I instantly went to put her down, but then I kind of looked at it. Again, I do Up Next, where we're an NXT show, and there's someone that I picked last year, and it's Io Shirai. And I looked at the year she had, and she she had her win. There was, like, the kind of the three-way with Charlotte and Ripley and uh, I remember Io Shirai doing a jump off a, a house at In Your House NXT and just like another classic match with Rhea, but just classic like TV feuds. And anytime she had to defend the title this year on TV, it was usually my match of the night. And I realized that she's a character I still totally am, am, am drawn to. Or as you could say, Io Shirai gets me high and I'm picking her for a second year in a row. All right. Well, for my pick, uh, I'm going for someone who had like a quiet great year and to me had some of the best title defenses all year long and that is Mayu Iwatani from Stardom. She won the World of Stardom title in November of last year. She had five title defenses this year. Uh, It kicked off when she defended it at the anniversary card with uh, Momo Watanabe, which featured like a standing room only crowd at Core Cuban Hall, which is very impressive for a company the level of stardom. I would say the highlight matches involving her this year, from from my perspective, were the two she had with Takumi Aroa, who was an outsider formerly of stardom that went to the Marvelous promotion. She came in and was a last-minute replacement, beating Mayu in a non-title match. This was a Corcoran Hall in February. The closing minutes of this match are as good as any closing minutes of any match this year. It was fantastic. And she won the non-title match, so that set up the rematch in October, which was uh, just below the February match. Uh, But Mayu also had big matches with uh, Jungle Kiona in July, Tam Nakano in September, and then lost the title uh, to Utami Hayashishida in November. But to me, she is just an unbelievable under 
undersized underdog that takes this incredible beating and then makes this Herculean comeback and is just such a fantastic uh, babyface and largely uh, held the World of Stardom title the entire year up until November. So I wanted to put a bit of a spotlight on her because she had a really great year in Stardom this year. So I like the so eclectic best match ever. Had. May you? Is what you're going to say? Maybe that's uh, you guys could go through. You could do a whole show on her 2020. Definitely. Yeah, definitely looking for that. We'll ask you to come on. Maybe <laughs> best male wrestler uh, last year. We all chose Will Ospreay. And I think if we were to ask people on January 1st this year, who's going to be the wrestler of the year of 2021, he'd be on everyone's short list. Uh, he did not finish on mine. I think this was a year that when you look at, who got affected by the pandemic. I think Osprey was one of them. Uh, let's start off with uh, Brayden for your male wrestler of the year. Yeah, this one was uh, right away. I, I had a name that came to mind, but then I started overthinking it. And there were so many names like Roman Reigns had a great year with his SmackDown character, or even Kenny Omega with the, the whole tag team turning into single star and the, the, the belt collector gimmick. But uh, I'm going to stick with what comes to mind. And that's someone that's a new person to me because Dean Ambrose was a wrestler that I was not a fan of. And this year, it seems like he is a completely different person, a complete badass. When I think of world champions in wrestling, WWE has not really delivered one to me that is as cool as Stone Cold Steve Austin. But AEW has done that. And I feel like John Moxley is walking around with the belt with that like gangster strut, just talking mad shit, but like doing it really well and really smart and then just really beating everybody up. I, 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 he had crazy feuds all over the year. We talked about the Eddie Kingston one, but there's an Archer one. He wrestled Archer in the Tokyo Dome beginning of the year as well, but uh, he's just, he just killed it. And I never, Stone Cold isn't even one of my favorites, but he reminds me of that so well. And to keep me interested in an actual main baby face champion is something that hasn't been done for me as a wrestling fan in a long time, but he has done that. He has delivered as a top baby face. He's great. Um, I'll, I'll go next. Cause this was one that uh, I, I went Davey Portman on this one. It was like right up until the buzzer for me of like picking male wrestler of the year, because it was such a different year. I think that there were like, there was a short list of people that came to mind. Um, you know, Goshiozaki in Noah had a great year. And I don't care what anyone says. That match uh, that, that he had, like, uh, all-time classic, in my opinion, was Kazuki Fujita. I don't care what detractors there are. I love that match. Um, this year, I thought Drew McIntyre. Like, for all we say, like, WWE got it right with him. He delivered in all of his big pay-per-view matches this year. Was a great babyface. Moxley is definitely on that list. Uh, but this year, I think more than any other, I just went with who did I think performed at or above their absolute best. And I went with a guy that I just thought had so many great matches with such a wide array of opponents. I'm talking with John Moxley. I'm talking about one of the best matches of this year with Kota Ibushi, a trilogy of great matches with Shingo Takagi. Tremendous matches with another 50-plus-year-old man in Yuji Nagata this year. My wrestler of the year is Minoru Suzuki. Oh, yeah. Yeah, great pick. I'm coming out of left field with this one. I don't know if he's going to get a lot of support, but I thought, that, like, when you look at this guy from the start of the year to this end of the year, uh, he had a quiet 
fantastic year in not the most ideal circumstances. And I think of Minoru Suzuki, he could adapt very well to like the different environments he had to wrestle in this year. And I think had just such a wide array of matches that Shingo Takagi feud was excellent um, for the time they had the John Moxley feud for the time they had, I thought was excellent as well. Like he was consistently great this year. And I definitely give um, a, a bit of a boost because he's doing this at the age of 52 on top of things. Way, who is your male wrestler of the year? I went with John Moxley. I think, you know, for me, consistency and frequency of appearance. I think those are maybe number one qualities for me in choosing this category. And of people who fulfill that, I thought he and Drew McIntyre were really neck and neck in how well they managed to, I think, lead their companies. I thought Drew was fantastic all year. But when I look at the number of interesting feuds that Drew McIntyre might have had, I thought Drew had a really good, interesting feud with Randy Orton. But even by the end, that was kind of beat to the ground. Whereas I feel like John Moxley had, you know, a series of good title defenses against guys like Jake Hager, Brody Lee, uh, Brian Cage, Darby Allen, a pretty substantial feud with MJF. But to me, the absolute clincher was his feud with Eddie Kingston. And I don't know if I would pick John Moxley if he didn't have that uh, match with, or that those series of matches with Eddie Kingston in that feud. So he's my pick for best wrestler male this year. You just love him talking about Ruthie. Is it Ruthie? His mom, Ruth, Eddie. You, you mentioned moms in any food, or parents, <laughs> or dinner tables, and I'm I'm in. I mean, the, man, the man announced his, his pending child on on national television this year. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. what a year for John Moxley! Congratulations, Davey. Uh, take us home. Who is your male wrestler of the year? Yeah, as I said, I found it hard because I think both Drew and Mox have had a fantastic year, and it's so rare in like Western wrestling to see a baby face who is just like pretty well loved and booked sensibly but as much as i've enjoyed their matches i can't say that either have had match of the year contenders um so i'm going with someone who hasn't wrestled loads because of the pandemic but has had so many match of the year contenders and that to me is koda ibushi i think by the end of the g1 he just overtook ishii as the mvp of that tournament i love the way how Every match in that um, tournament, he was trying to match his opponent's skill set. So you had the uh, the kicking match against Tai Chi, which was just ridiculous. Um, the match against Suzuki, which is one of my favorite matches of the year, where he's just having a straight out fight with him. The Wrestle Kingdom match with Okada. Um, there were so many good, good matches he's had this year. And even I quite enjoyed his... Um, his tag matches with Tanahashi against the Dangerous Techers. It, it's weird because there's such a large portion of the year that's missing, but he's on my top list of so many matches this year, so I've got to go for Ibushi. He's God. He's God. So With a capital that's, that's G. not a bad pick. Ibushi is, like, right up there. I, I think, like, he... Uh, to me, yeah, you're... Like, it's kind of broken up, like, the year for him, but that G1 was huge. I, I was with you. I thought he, by the end of it, was the top performer of the G1, just edging out Ishii. Match of the year. So this can encompass uh, male, female, intergender, whichever direction you want to go. We'll start things off with Brayden. Yeah, I mean, this is the big one. This is the the Oscar for best movie of the year, essentially. And this one is the the hardest one, but the the best one to kind of go back and watch uh, all the matches from this year. And there's been some great ones. NXT's UK randomly had a match that was like a tree falling. Does anyone hear it if it actually happens in a forest? Well, 
Dragunov and, and Walter was really awesome. In NXT, I guess North America, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor went to war, broken jaws and, and such. And Wrestle Kingdom, where you guys were at, was just fantastic. But when it comes to like the story going into it and the, the bell to bell, I'm picking uh, the tag team match from Revolution, AEW, Young Bucks versus Hangman Page and Kenny Omega in the tag team title match because throughout the past few years with the whole bullet club and the elite, these guys have been friends. And like I said, from the beginning to the end, there's storytelling that's weaving different stories in with other things. And it's, it was just done so well. It, I love fan service when you follow things for so long and it felt like a final like blow off or even the beginning of something next. And it doesn't even start or end with the ending of the match with the after match as well, where you think there's like a turn and stuff, but I mentioned hangman. It was my most improved. I'm not saying hangman was not amazing before, but this year he stepped it up and it was this match that showed me like that. This is a classic. We talk about best matches ever on our, our show, best match ever. And, when we watch this show live, yes, it had a crowd that probably adds to it, but watching it, like by the end of it gives you like goosebumps, not from just like the crazy spots, but the storytelling is just unbelievable. So Hangman Page, Kenny Omega and Young Bucks had a classic at AEW Revolution. That's my match of the year. That was my match of the year as well. I think one of the best tag matches of all time. It's definitely in that conversation uh, for a lot of the points that that Braden Rose, like it, it's just an unbelievably spectacular match. Uh, never did the time drag in any way. It was just all four that were completely on. And then just that that subtle tease at the end from Hangman Page. Was he going to hit the buckshot to Kenny Omega? And they rode that out throughout the year with Page and Omega. Uh, I gave honorable mentions to uh, Walter and Ilya Dragunov, which to me was the best WWE match this year. And... Uh, live, nothing topped Okada and Kota Ibushi. That's one of the best matches I've seen live uh, ever from the first night of Wrestle Kingdom. Way, match of the year. You know, for this category, my qualification comes uh, from whether or not a match immediately springs to mind. And so my first honorable mention, my only honorable mention, goes to Kota Ibushi versus Tai Chi from the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax A Block Final. To me, uh, I mean, it was a match that consisted of nothing but kicks for 17 incredibly riveting minutes and to me risky experiments like that are what elevate the art form it's not my match of the year but in hindsight my favorite match of the g1 and my second favorite match of the year but my match of the year uh same as you guys young bucks and handman page versus handman page and kenny omega i i find myself in doing this job rarely so excited to rewatch a match i had just seen but i did this exact thing coming home from doing the post show with you john um, after the Firefly Funhouse and after this particular match. Uh, I don't consider the Firefly Funhouse a match, unfortunately, but I do very much consider this one a match. This was a spiritual successor to the Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks match, which at that point was my match of the year. Uh, in this one, though, instead you had Adam Page playing the role of that elite member who feels left out even by his own tag team partner. This match was a complete... He was already a star heading into this, but like this took him to the next level to me. He was the guy coming out of this match and continued to make great use of that Matt Jackson lower uh, back pain. That oh, seems that to be back. Iconic. It's always injured, that back. And, you know, much like that Golden Lovers match, you have these four basically best friends tell the story of them turning this friendly rivalry 
into a war by the very end of it uh with the bucks very much turning heel part way through and if you can get an audience to to boo the young bucks i feel like you've done a great job using the golden trigger on kenny omega plus the various references in there to like the motor city machine guns to marty squirrel it was like again i have to also give points to it for having an actual live audience i think that's somewhat unfair but at the same time it affected my enjoyment of it. And to me, throughout the year, I kept looking for other matches for me to match the level of, exci- of excitement I felt watching this one. And really nothing nothing got there. So this was my match of the year. I show this match to friends or I tell non-wrestling friends to kind of... When it, when it happened, way I was just like, you know, I'm pretty sure we watched it again later that night. But we showed this to some friends. And it reminds me, again, going back to The Mandalorian. But you show someone The Mandalorian... From front to back, they probably really enjoy it. But if you show The Mandalorian to someone who knows like the Star Wars ins and outs and some of the little details, it's like that match. It's like you mentioned the Golden Lovers and the Bullet Club history. But when you just show it to someone, they go, wow, they're doing Canadian Destroyers and Moonsaults and Table Spots. It's crazy. But when you know the little things that weave in and out, that's what makes it like so much next level. It was that golden trigger that the Bucks did to Kenny that was like, I can't believe you... You insulted did him like that yeah and know? kick out at one. Oh <laughs> my god it brought a tear to my eye it's like it is it is not you know some say it's the it's the greatest tag team wrestling match ever it's one of the best tag it's one of the best wrestling matches ever i love this match davy uh you have we can alert people to the up next patreon if they want uh, an update on uh your <laughs> some of your recent woes but i think the question everyone wants to know is that when you're seeking on tinder what is going to be the Andrade Gargano of 2020? Oh, yeah. Show wow. That future somebody. What I mean, is that match from 2020? Um, it was uh, between the tag match and this match. Um, and I rewatched both today. And I've gone for something different from you guys. I went for Kota Ibushi versus Kazuchika Okada. From Wrestle Kingdom Night One, January fourth, um, excellent pick. That that was leading up. Usually, like I I watch that match and I'm like, man, match of the year sealed. And the next yep. month, that tag match just beat it for me. But that's that might be my number two this year. It's two also a classic. It, it's so good. And I am someone who kind of with wrestling, like I kind of take everything in. It is a performance art. So for me, something like an entrance is part of the match. And we don't have a category for it, but Okada might have had one of the, the best entrances of the year. That That's throw right. in the dark yeah. jacket, he's killing giant he's monsters. Got an umbrella. He's got an umbrella. I totally forgot about that. That entrance was amazing live. Yeah. And then you've got the full crowd, one of the only, is it the only kind of dome stadium show we've had this year? I'm trying to think, probably. Yeah. Um, the Rumble, maybe, but. The Rumble was that in a big, big stadium big, or big, big field. So it's one of the yeah. only kind of shows that had a, such a big crowd. And the match I started watching today and I was like, oh, maybe I'm going to go for the the tag because the first five, 10 minutes, just feeling them out. And then once you get to the killer Kota, the, the Michael Myers face where he's just full on punching him, it it's scary. Like you're seeing him closed fist, just punching at Okada and listing boos from the crowd. And then all the near falls and kicking out the rainmakers and the, the counters and the roundhouses and the v triggers from coda himself it it's so exciting and to watch a match almost a year later and knowing who wins and still biting on certain finishes for the other guy um shows it it's a great match so yeah beginning to end i just really love that match and that's my pick and it's 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 gonna go into what 
what I'm calling wrestling's endgame, which could happen in a few days, Wrestle Kingdom. But I feel like we all picked the Kenny match. It has the ties into the, the Kota Ibushi Golden Lover stuff. We have Kota Ibushi going into Wrestle Kingdom. I think the inevitable endgame of pro wrestling in, in this era will be Kenny versus Ibushi uh, as, as the Dome show sometime in the near future, hopefully, because that sounds great. When we're allowed to go to wrestling. I'm just going to take off Braden's tinfoil hat right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, it will happen, and uh, the world can rejoice. Well, we are at the final category of the Best of 2020 show, and it is Biggest Story of 2020. Uh, last year, for our Biggest Story of 2019, all of us chose the launch of All Elite Wrestling. Now, this year, I did preface it to you guys when we were uh, sending out the categories that, of course, the biggest story this year was COVID's impact on the industry at large. So what I requested was if you're going to choose something COVID related, something specific that came out of that, because it's, it's the giant, the most, the largest story across the world uh, this year. And there was a lot that happened in 2020. So I want to look to you way. Uh, what did you think were uh, the biggest, the biggest stories of 2020? Yeah. Um, <sighs> What isn't COVID related this year? You know, like every story we can bring up, honestly, like has something to do with COVID. If, if, you know, by the fact that it, it, it resulted in somebody not getting work or, uh, it resulted in maybe a heightened interest because we don't have as much time for other things, uh, or a heightened awareness of the things that are going on in this world. So certainly like of the issues that we've been talking about this year you have to mention of course speaking out when specific reference to professional wrestling you have to even mention black lives matter in specific reference just to the world and how that affects everything that we 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 talk about to the point where we felt compelled to you know spend a good chunk of our airtime on it um i have a feeling that you guys will kind of be talking about some of those issues but i'd like to kind of talk about maybe one that personally affected me a whole lot this year and I do consider this one COVID related because, um, you know, the stopping of professional wrestling, I think, uh, resulted in a lot of isolation for a lot of people. And unfortunately for uh, this person, it resulted in her, uh, un- you know, um, untimely, untimely uh, demise. And that was the death of Hannah Kimura. This was one that was really difficult for me because, you know, as many people know, I was a fan of hers on this reality show that I'd watched for years called Terrace House. And so... So many, like the entire incident that really led up to all the cyberbullying that she faced uh, towards the end of the year, I saw that take place basically like as it aired in closer to real time than I suppose, like, you know, as, as, mu- as much as close to real time as it could have been. And following that, you know, being online the, the day that she tweeted the things that she tweeted um, and waiting really just c- c- for any sort of word about like her um health you know john you and i were recording rewind to smackdown that night and in the Mm -hmm. beginning of the recording we had no update and we basically recorded a portion of the show talking about the story and saying we will update everybody on the situation by the end of the recording um news had come out from you know early morning in japan that she had passed away and my heart just completely sank as i'm sure everybody who was aware of this person um did as well and uh you know like like many issues you know um a lot of it i think you know sprung up because of the the weird space that the world is in uh the fact that you know she wasn't able to 
take part in the regular wrestling world, you know, work in a regular job because everything was, was shut down. She, you know, not having that kind of emotional support and, and just being constantly isolated and being faced with nothing, but you know, these terrible people that are online talking all this, all this shit. So um, that's one that I found uh, really difficult for me to forget throughout the year. So um, it's, it's just, it's not necessarily the biggest story of the year, but one I, I wanted to talk about here. No, it was a very important story uh, this year. Braden, um, you can pick a story or whether there's a handful of them that come to mind. Yeah, I mean, obviously anything COVID related, the fact that wrestling was the one thing that was on TV still when sports were like, how many of us as wrestling fans had people be messaging you or friends or family like, hey, uh, there's no basketball or hockey, but there's wrestling with no crowd. It's really weird. Uh, but I mean, we're doing worst of show next week. And I know we'll get into this thing, these things more for, for more. But if this isn't the best story, this is the biggest story. And for me, uh, as a wrestling fan, and for many, I think I'll be talking about it more so next week, but it's speaking out uh, in the world of wrestling. For me, it was the biggest story. It's still a thing. And um, um, I feel like it's more of a topic next year, but I have to pick it as biggest story because it has uh, shocked the wrestling world. It's it's there's there's effects and rightfully so. And um, but yeah, that's what I'm picking. Davey. Uh, I kind of copped out with this one because um, this is the best of show and I kind of wanted to be positive with it. And obviously <laughs> there's a lot of just awful stuff mm. that's happened this year. So I'm going to go for one that made me happy. Um, and that was Edge's return at the Royal Rumble. Um, I got really excited about seeing him at Mania. Uh, he's someone I've never seen perform live. Obviously, I still haven't. Um, but I know it had a big impact because I knew a lot of people who were on the fence about buying tickets to Mania uh, last year and Edge returned and it kind of sealed the deal for them. Um, obviously, that didn't come into fruition, but it was a, a big moment this year that made me happy and quite a big story. So uh, I'm going to go with that. I just put down a list here of just uh, just some other notable stories that I wouldn't necessarily say are the biggest this year, but I think are worth uh, noting just kind of this this time capsule podcast that we're doing. Uh, the fact that AEW was able to sign that renewal deal in January, I mean, that was – given we had no idea where things would be two months later, that was a godsend for them to be able to get that renewal and at the rate that they did – 175 million over four years. And that was, that was huge for them this year when there would be no live gates where they were much more hand to mouth when it came to being able to tour and have that ticket revenue that was gone. Once the pandemic hit the WWE firing uh, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson. And the fact that the stock took a plunge after that and has never recovered to that, that level before there was a lot of uneasiness that there didn't appear to be an immediate succession plan. It was this erratic move that came out of nowhere. Subsequently, uh, the hiring of Nick Khan by WWE, which may be a bigger story in years to come, but it will be traced back to his hiring this year. That was very big. The WWE will have their most profitable year ever during a pandemic. Jushin Liger retiring, uh, the death of Hanukkah Dwayne Johnson, Danny Garcia and Redbird Capital buying the XFL. The XFL goes out oh, of business, yeah, wow. like Holy. it declares bankruptcy like that happened this year. Um, but to me, uh, you know, COVID uh, aside, because COVID was obviously the biggest story. Uh, I did say the, the speaking out movement that I think just was um, so tough to cover and go through all these harrowing stories, but were absolutely necessary Um that this industry needed to get this stuff out there. So, um, and, and yes, like 
uh, Black Lives Matter and the fact that, you know, doing doing that show this year with Nate and Andrew, that to me was um, to me, the, the show I'm most proud of of this year is that show we did uh, back in June of this past year with them at the start of uh, Rewind to Raw. So, I mean, this was a year where beyond COVID, like there was a lot um, that happened this year. So that brings an end to our portion of the best of 2020 show. And we've gone lengthy here, but we're going to go longer because now we're going to open it up for anyone that wants to join us. Uh, video, audio, all welcome. And we'll hand it off to Wei, who is going to be the maestro to lead in our guests. Yeah. So if you're new to Zoom, simply uh, look for the option to raise your hand, as many people are doing right now. And I will get to you one by one. And we ask because uh, I imagine a lot of people want to get on that you please keep your uh, thoughts brief as are as concise as you can. And let's start off here with a familiar voice in Hanzi. Hanzi, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? Uh, first of all, thank you guys for the Christmas, um, the shout out on the Christmas show. I appreciate that. That was awesome. I listened to all five hours of it. It was dope. Um, what's the call? You know, I agree with um, most of you, most of your guys takes. I, uh, I, I thought, I thought like um, with uh, one of the best gimmicks, I thought uh, maybe, Karrion Cross would have uh, been on more lists, but I guess because he got injured. But I thought that that guy's gimmick was probably unique this year, probably a good presentation. And I like the whole aspect of him just beating his opponents like unmercingly. You know what I mean? I, I, I thought that was a good a good monster that they were building. I think maybe because he got his his he got an injury and shortened his career for like a little bit that that would have uh, been a little bit more higher on people's list. And I, I think MVP was on my list, but I understand Roman Reigns uh, came up with a blaze, man. Like no, no, I don't think anyone could have predicted Roman Reigns is like becoming like one of the best gimmicks like this year, but I got to give MVP his due. Cause I've always been a fan of the guy and I'm glad he's back. But uh, overall, I, uh, I agree with most of your takes. And Paul, I got to give you respect because some of the stuff that I haven't seen from outside the Western world, like, you know, I've seen some of like the New Japan stuff kind of, right? And, uh, you know, it's just hard to keep up with all these matches, right? But I got to give you mad respect for at least bringing up stardom and all that because it'll make me go and seek some of this stuff out because I'm not as familiar with like the, the Japanese women pr- promotion. So I'm glad that like they got some representation on that. And uh, I'll leave you guys with that. And um, thank you for taking my call. Thank you very much, Hansi. Let's go up next to Anthony. Anthony, please unmute yourself. What's going on? Oops. Uh, now you can unmute yourself. I muted him again. Yes. Hello. Oh, Anthony. There he is. Uh, great show. I'm just going to make this short and sweet. One of my favorite um, categories that's long to use is best theme song. Me personally, I always enjoy theme songs or promotions because I feel like the theme song should tell the story of the wrestler and the character they are in. So honestly, WWE, not so much because it's mostly just music. No real story or lyrics behind it. AEW has a few, but doesn't really strike me. But there was one because I was actually watching AW Dark. And I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Randy Rhodes' cousin, uh, Scorpio Sky's Reach for the Sky. I think it's a great theme. I think it tells a story about kind of like who he is, this rest of himself. Um, I'm still Cal. And it's just, I feel like he's a guy that really should be pushed more. You'll see him a lot, but I feel like 
the theme is great. It sounds great. And I just feel like it's just a continuation of a package that I feel like should be expanded on him. But for best theme, I did pick Scorpio Skies. Do, do any, so, does anybody else in the room yeah, have a choice? For I, have to, I have to jump in there. I, I mentioned that people were definitely listening to some Alter Bridge because of Edge coming back. But something that grew on me was uh, Kenny Omega's theme, Battle Cry. That is a that is a banger when you're like trying to work out or go for walks or pump an iron, whatever it is that you do. That theme gets me hyped. And I feel like the guy who does, I think it's Ruckus, DJ yes. Ruckus or something like that. He is great over there in AEW. Yeah, there's definitely some weird thing that's happening in WWE with themes being changed and, and dropped and stuff. But over in AEW, a lot of their themes are really cool. What about an entrance? Does, I know it's not technically a theme, but Karrion Cross was mentioned by Hanzi. Carrying Cross's entrance is pretty cool. The theme is cool, but it's the entrance, I'd say. The, the but, entrance, like the whole like choreographing of the entrance yeah. is fantastic. I think you have to, like to me, my favorite entrance is still Judas and the whole crowd singing along that just yep. because it started so organically that we kind of had that that first week that fans were back, but it was such a limited amount that when they have a packed arena and they go nuts for that song again, that's going to be such an incredible moment. I think Judas on the cruise especially yeah. is, is one that really stands out. Um, for me, Anthony kind of just reminded me talking about AEW Dark. I'm pretty sure it's, is it Tony Donati? It just, just some random guy who's on Dark who has hmm. some ridiculously good entrance music where you think, why, why is this guy got this theme? Like Jake Atlas? <laughs> and Jake Atlas has this <laughs> awesome theme. Um, and then some of your top, top guys just, you, you scratch your head why that's the one they came up with. I quickly it, it was to... like that. Did you guys realize that Mauro Ronaldo had an entrance theme yeah. in NXT? It's like called end of the line. I was like, this is an awesome song for like a faction or a heel. And it's like, no one would know that Mauro Ronaldo has a theme song. And it's actually like a pretty good one on the WWE scale. Well, I like, I, I like a lot of the AEW ones, but there's something that uh, maybe it's a different question quickly. We didn't talk, talk, talk on is best merch. Because uh, I know Judas is a great theme song, but my favorite thing that I bought this year with my own damn money. Was How much the- fish can a fish can a Bobby fish fry if a Bobby fish <laughs> can fry fish? <laughs> yeah, you bought that shirt, didn't you? Uh, I know it. Uh, I bought the Inner Circle Guns N' Roses shirt. And I'll say that is my favorite wrestling shirt in a long, long time. It's just awesome. Uh, I know that the, the Elite did it before, but having Jericho with his whole, you know, classic rock vibe uh is is really great uh, i can't think of any other like merch that actually stood out I, I, the to stop the covid one yeah, really, that's, to mind. that's, that's, that's incredible worse. yeah that's maybe worse I, I know new japan sells like underwear now with the gear on it so that's something that i gotta definitely look into let's go back to the phone lines we got a brian up next brian please unmute yourself what's going on hey guys great show um i agree with a lot of your picks a lot of great picks that that uh, night thirteen of the G one climax slipped my mind, but holy crap, I remember loving that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have, I just have a few quick honorable mentions for a couple categories. Sure. First up, uh, TV show honorable mention, uh, no pun intended, Ring of Honor. Yeah. Uh, went from a show I did not care about, just I think, uh, clips from live events, to taking advantage of these health restrictions with the pure title tournament and really succeeding. I totally agree with you. That's Ring of Honor is one of my favorite shows to keep up with now. I think they've done such a great job during this this return, um, embracing the environment, uh, adding the 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 pure tournament was a great way to come back. Uh, that's a great pick. Like Ring of Honor has been very strong these last few months. Excellent. And uh, my tag team honorable mention, not the best team, but definitely 
a team that carried uh, the first half of the year, I think. Uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey, I thought were very entertaining. And best gimmick honorable mention, definitely not the best, but they grew on me, was uh, Johnny and Candice on NXT, just uh, becoming this this evil couple, this power couple, and developing their family the way, and uh, culminating that those crazy Christmas uh, skits. So that's all I have to say. And rest in power, Brody Lee. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much, Brian. Thank you for the call. We go up next to Andrew. Andrew, please unmute yourself. What's on your mind? Hey there, everybody. Thanks for the great show so far. Thank you. Um, I agree with a lot of the the picks, and in, in especially with uh, the picks for Stadium Stampede, the the picks for the match of the year being the the Young Bucks uh, versus uh, Page and Omega uh, match. I really liked in in AEW overall. I I very much enjoyed this year. One thing I kind of wanted to mention um, was a promotion that I feel like got me through a midpoint of the pandemic, and that was DDT. They're very early on. They put together sort of a uh, a one-hour show that was being taped in Shinjuku face um, that was sort of a point appointment watching for me and in, in just sort of like a nice light note to get you through the pandemic, which culminated for me in, in uh, Wrestle Peter Pan, which was another show too big for one night, mm-hmm. uh, and also had a cinematic match in Konosuke Takeshita versus Yoshihiko that included an eye-gouging uh, spot <laughs> we a uh, month before WWE got there and was very funny. I just really enjoyed um, that show in that pay-per-view and where it fit into my year uh, pandemic wise. Great picks. Yes. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you very much, Andrew. Appreciate the call. Uh, we go up next to Jason. Jason, what's going on? Hey, John. Hey, way. Hey everyone. Uh, first of all, uh, great show as always. Uh, I like your guys' picks. Uh, for me, uh, I I didn't watch as much wrestling as I normally had, but the stuff I did watch and enjoyed the most would have been what really came out of AEW. And I think to the point of, like, best show being Dynamite, I think the Winter is Coming episode was everything you want to do in a pro wrestling show where they built that matchup as good as, like, the UFC or Bellator could build up a mixed martial arts bout, like the the countdown show that they put up on YouTube, which was solely focused on that, heading mm-hmm. into the match, which then comes away with a angle that gets so much more eyeballs on not only AEW, but Impact as well, I think was one of the highlights for me because now we're going into a new year and I'm more interested in both AEW's product and Impact, which to me has been if any promotion had a comeback of the year, I think it had to be impact as well for the in-ring quality they put on. And now they have this angle to hook more eyeballs in. So that's one of my best things for 2020. And uh, once again, great job with the show guys. And uh, I'll keep on listening. Thanks very much, Jason. Thank you, Jason. I think that that was, you know, that should be the goal is when you build up to one of these big shows, it's that if you're bringing in people out of curiosity, do something that is going to bring them back. And I think they really hit the mark with winter is coming. And I think we looked at impact as well. Like they got the the attention of the wrestling world. And I think like that's going to be uh, their goal uh, coming up with the build up to hard to kill. And what comes out of that, it's, you know, taking this attention that Kenny Omega is bringing, spreading it to your show overall and, and raising, raising its awareness beyond just this program. 
Andrew, you're up next. Please unmute yourself. You're on the air. I think uh, it's me again. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to mute you back. Thank you very much for that. Let's go to Stephen up next. Stephen, what's going on? Hey, I was just interested in everyone's thoughts on the best return of 2020, whether it be from injury or just taking some time away from the business. Uh, for me, it's Frankie Kazarian's hair. I think <laughs> he's, well, he's definitely been getting a lot used way more since he's grown his hair back and uh, just interested on everyone else's thoughts. You know, he's a guy that's been like simmering all year long and it feels in like the last month, it's just come to a boil that everyone has realized how great Frankie Kazarian has been for a long time. And yeah, I mean, he's, he is the perfect example of how loaded that AEW roster is that sometimes you take for granted a, a Frankie Kazarian that has you know been great for a long time. And he's deservedly so getting that spotlight, which I think culminated in uh, the Christmas Carol BTE. I there's nothing just... there's nothing wrong with ha- not having hair either. <laughs> not at all. I Right John? Maybe it'll make a comeback. We'll see. Yeah. Uh any realistic picks for a comeback of the year, guys? Listen, I mean Edge, Edge I've already said, yeah. but yeah. I, I think Edge Hey guys, M- MVP, MVP, like MVP came back mm-hmm. and he's become an integral part of of Raw. Um but I I thought Edge had a fantastic return just uh, coming back in the form he did and the promo. It's like he upped the standard of of promos, I think, on that show. And I think that you could really see like the difference of someone that during this time that he's been away all these years, the the level of of acting that he's done and seeing the difference where, you know, he's also a guy that that can have ex- extra leeway as well. But it's it's a night and day compared to, to others. And it's something that I, I think people should aspire to. Dan you could Reed. say, oh, sorry. I, I was, I was also just going to say, you could say Sting too. I know he's just like an old guy that comes out and points a bat, but a lot of people were pretty hyped on that too. Dan Reed mentions Hiromu Takahashi, who, I mean, a year ago we forget, you know, was near oh. the end of his career completely. So had that see. great run in the New Japan Cup. You like went to the Final Four, um, and, and was put over like guys up until losing to Okada. Like that, that would be a cool story for next year of seeing does Hiromu uh, flirt outside of the junior heavyweight division. Let's go up next to Jared. Jared, what's on your mind? Jared, if you can figure out how to unmute your microphone. If not, we can go up next to up next. Hey, sorry about that. Oh, okay. Look at time. I'm like Indiana Jones under the sliding wall. Not a problem. What's on your mind, Jerry? Sure uh, not much. Uh, I didn't watch a ton of wrestling this year to add too much to the conversation in that regards, but I just wanted to call in and say thanks for a great year of post content. Uh, let, let me just say, following off of, of Jason and now you as well, it is the greatest honor of people to say, I didn't watch a whole lot of wrestling, but here <laughs> I am on the patron stream here for post wrestling <laughs> and up next. We thank you very much for your support. Wow. I, I watch Dynamite every Wednesday and then listen to you suffer through Raw every Monday, and that's enough for me. So. <laughs> Appreciate we'll it, it, Jared. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, great year. Uh, especially uh, this year, uh, I've always liked Rewind Away, but this year especially, I feel like uh, those episodes are such a great, like, slice of history of the time of that show. Uh, and they've the, the quality of those has, like, gone up tremendously this year from, you know, starting at an already great place. So, uh, But I just had a question for you guys of, uh, with all the shows that you've done this year, what's the one of yours that you're maybe is – like your favorite show of yours or your uh, the one that you're most proud of from the past year. 
Well, I mentioned mine. It was it was the show back, I believe it was June 8th, I think, with um, me and Way starting off Rewind a Raw with Andrew Thompson and Nate Milton. Um, th- that's the show I'm most proud of uh, this year. But uh, there, there are probably others as well um, that we look back on. I Another one was that Rewind Away we did on Starcade 1983, which uh, I did a lot of research into that one. And we had a, a great uh, executive producer that was on with us. Uh, she was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed that show from the Rewind Aways we did this year. I don't remember any of them. Slam uh, Jam, <laughs> Volume 1. Oh, this yeah. was like an all-timer. Sure. Okay? One of the best podcasts of, in history. You know I, what? This year, we we did our Endgame review, which, I uh, mean, you know, that was the culmination of a, of a long uh, journey that I absolutely enjoyed. So if I had to pick some of my favorites, it might have been that one. I did a Black Brent Panther was review. a fantastic uh, guest yes. throughout the year on those uh, MCU shows. Yeah, yeah. I did a Black Panther one with Nate that I absolutely loved as well. I mean, Nate Milton, like he he will make frequent appearances perhaps on this best of list. Just like one of my favorite broadcasters, period. I say it all the time. He's my favorite person of 2020. Yes. (laughs) How about you guys, Braden and Davey, of your shows? It's, I mean, we're not tackling serious issues on it, but it's got to be Freddie Got Fingered review. They were pretty serious. uh, (laughs) He made us proud. What about Stan Hansen? And Stan Hansen's up there. Stan Hansen was so good that we did we put it out for free. Uh, So yeah, that one was a good show too. We do best match ever, which is like maybe our favorite. I want. I would just say that we just nerd out and watch some wrestling. You do. You guys do a really great deep dive into those, like that Flair Steamboat show you did. Like that was my favorite. Finding like you didn't just go to just the '89 uh, matches. Like you went, you found like some Mid Atlantic stuff from them as well. Like it was a really good comprehensive look at like different eras of Flair Steamboat because it's it goes beyond just 1989 yeah I'll, I'll i'll pat ourselves on the back here because like yeah we're up next we're the nxt podcast and we'll always do that but we do so many other shows and i think now we're in this group i think because of a pandemic we've we've come into this groove of our own where we're like we uh we feel like more confident and more like just like we have fun with it and we feel like we we deliver but we have uh we have a lot of fun shows i, I can't just pick one i obviously doing shows with you guys the survivor series games and stuff that davy creates are always a lot of fun and stir up so much controversy and that's always behind the bde my favorite man (laughs) i I sometimes literally wonder are you guys aware you're recording (laughs) yeah well uh... that that, that's why it's for a world champions right it's 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 about 20 people get to listen to it so we're like "Ah." point that out i sometimes think that i think that sometimes i'm like wait i I almost see it as therapy it it's very much just getting shit off my chest Nothing some people write in a journal. I just I just tell some people on the internet. <laughs> I see, it is uh, my favorite show. It's an immediate listen every time it's <laughs> Yeah, you're the first person to ma- we we like our five dollar tier gets all the the crazy shows and all the stuff. But if you're crazy and you're the twenty five tier, Way is always the first person to message me when that show drops. <laughs> always. It's not I, I, I text Way. I'm like, dude, did you know this? <laughs> Most of the time it's no. Yeah. That's how I keep I up did not know you. about some of Davy's latest hurdles in life. I was uh, like, this is how I keep up with you guys now. It's through your podcast. <laughs> okay, we continue with the phone lines here. We have a lot of them. Let's go to John uh John Cino. John Cino up oh, next on. What's going oh, on, man. John? Cino? Speaking of the best hey. of what? Oh, I'll make this really quick. Shout out to Cameron Grimes. Whenever he's on TV, he makes me laugh. Uh he's definitely one of my favorite gimmicks of the year. But my favorite feud of the year, um, these guys are still going at it every night again, updates. Every week, uh, the feud is still going on with the raccoons and the BDE MSG. 
That's from the raccoons. <laughs> Are raccoons in the backyard? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Okay. <laughs> is that any? Yeah, is that, is it? that it? That's it. All right. Uh, what's, your, what's, your, what's your favorite drink this year? During what's your favorite year? drink? The Moscow Mule. The Moscow Mule is high on my list in 2020. I think I perfected it. It might not be up to debut standards, but I think it's pretty good. No, I trust John's drinking, yeah. making drinks ability. We've had some drinks before with you. You're good at making some drinks. I like our jalapeno vodka and grapefruit vodka shots. We, yeah, we got a little wild on Christmas with some weird concoctions of what we had available in the house. But uh, White Claws are obviously the drink of choice. Uh, but we're still looking for that White Claw sponsorship or a, uh, I don't know, a Toronto local hard seltzer. I, I still haven't touched this uh basil hayden's that davy dropped off what? at the best of show from last year yeah i bought that i'm, I'm not gonna have it by myself yet. i'm gonna have it with you guys but okay, you guys have been over it. <laughs> with a jr ewing bourbon too well yeah we're gonna well i've already said we're gonna have the post wrestling jr bourbon get together once we can all safely get together again that's oh, gonna be that's so sweet damien abraham's gonna come and meet davy for the first time he's also gonna meet first Ray, time he uh, remembers yeah, me first time he remembers i introduced him before <laughs> davy worked for us when oh, i was really? doing i was doing uh, i wasn't even doing up next yet uh, i was the the hiatus but we, i took davy to a ring of honor show and ran into Damien. So Davey was just standing there as the awkward friend. But now he's Davey fucking Portman. Yeah, da- so. Damien might have big-timed him at the, at the time. But he will get to meet him properly, as he will W.H. Park. So we will have the J.R. Ewing bourbon. Hey, speaking of W.H. Park and drinks, W.H. Park, uh, I traded him a White Claw for a strong zero that he brought all the way from Japan now that he's back here in Canada. So shout out to him because I enjoy drinking a strong zero, watching some strong style. So, yeah. Well, if you want to shout out W.H. Park, maybe you can do it live because wh what? park if you are there please oh. unmute yourself <laughs> if you could figure out how to unmute yourself <laughs> wh as we <laughs> there we go how are you wh oh okay he has unmuted himself but his microphone doesn't seem to work oh <laughs> wh uh i'm gonna the... leave you on okay oh there he's here go. he's here there. wh has made it the running i uh i heard there was a party Thought I'd uh, show up unannounced, uninvited. You're w- always invited. You, you know, me? the door is always open. Not literally, but you know what I mean. Can I uh, do a Survivor Series review with you guys? What? He sounds uh, out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing? Nothing, man. He's into <laughs> White Claw number it's, four already. Yeah, you've been making show. We've been going pretty long here. Eating Popeyes? Can, can I just say something? That hoodie that Brain's wearing, it's fucking nice. When, when can I get one? <laughs> Wow, did you hear that, David? Oh, that's high praise. Yeah. WH Park fucks with our hoodie. Yo, we'll we'll make sure you get one, WH. You know where we live. We know where you work. Can I get one in black with white lettering? Is that possible? Yes, you can. You can. You yeah, it's funny you can. say that because yes, you can. Ahead of you. Thank you, gentlemen. We, we got a custom one for you. It reads uh, Booker of the Year Ghetto. <laughs> oh, that's not for me, John. That's not for me. I got something. He's something else of the year, but I, I shouldn't say. You know, I'm. I'm Doing my, my research for the uh, the preview show for the Wrestle Kingdom preview show. Yes, coming Friday. out this this uh, Friday. Way WH and I will have a Wrestle Kingdom 15 primer where we will go through all of the matches for next week's Tokyo Dome shows, uh, match by match. So you can look up for that Friday at postwrestling.com. You yeah. got some best of picks, WH. Uh, I don't know what categories you want me to talk about. Best gear. Best gear of the year. Mm. Best gear. You know what? I got to go with uh, Go Shizaki when he went with the uh, Misawa tribute. Yes. Uh, that's fucking sweet. And we got to see it. Or we didn't get to see it on, this, on the 5th. 
at the Corican Hall. I can't remember. I think he was teamed with Axis, so he was wearing his Axis gear. But that new gear he's got as a champion, just he looks just like a like an ace, you know. So I think it's been really good for him. The robe, the whole, you know, emerald and white gear. It's it's fantastic. He's he's definitely up there. Uh, maybe Julia for Joshi. Like she's mm-hmm. she's got some. She looks like a star. So I got to give it up to, jo- to Julia there. WH, what about Eddie Kingston's Misawa tribute? I know you're a big fan of that, right? Uh, he looked like shit. There it is. And I don't care how popular he is with people. You can love him. I understand his popularity. But man, when I saw pictures of his Misawa tribute, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Stick with the Kawada tribute. That at least looks good on you. It's flattering. The Misawa stuff, please retire that and don't ever wear that shit again. There he is. Such a nice guy, that WH. WH Park, everybody. Thank you very much, WH. We will, uh, t- we'll hear from you uh, a couple times this week because uh, we've got you on the primary, but then you're also joining uh, our friends Martin Bushby and uh, uh, Will Cooling, JP Houlihan, for their Kenny Omega career retrospective. Are you doing research for that one as well? <laughs> I am. I'm, Wait a uh, second. Wait I'm, a second. WH is doing a Kenny Omega retrospective. Oh, I'm yeah. part of a panel. And, you should do an Eddie Kingston I, gear retrospective too, clearly. No, no, no. no. Like that, that, I felt I had to say about Eddie Kingston's gear. Like It's not the best. He, he's not had traditionally had good gear throughout his career. And there's no point in belaboring that point. But I, I will say this as kind of a, a preview for Kenny Omega retrospective. I, I will say some nice things about his pre-New Japan stuff. And we'll, we'll maybe a bit of his New Japan stuff, but once we get to his title reign, I, I promise nothing. Okay. Hey, <laughs> hey I'm going to recommend, if you want to check out a, a podcast this year, uh, the show you did with us, Hasame, on the history of Mitsuharu Misawa. Mm. I think that is required listening. Thanks, John. I thought I was very proud of that episode. Hasame just brought all the, the knowledge and the history. And, and like it's something I'm proud of. I hope people listen to it. If they want to get to know about one of the you know greatest wrestlers of all time. Please listen to that episode of the Long and Winding Railroad, which you hear at postwrestling.com. Yeah, well, it, it, we got to lock down a WH here because man, this is—he's uh, giving Benno a run for his money about the podcast. He's a Eastern Lariat podcast this week, uh, Grapple Spotlight podcast. I mean, we're just lucky to get some time here with WH. I was also, Park. The the, uh, in... oh. I was also on with the Will Cooling's, uh, you know. Th- uh, a podcast this week right after the spotlight one he's recording at 4 30 in his time and he says hey dude you want to come on this one i'm like all right sure yeah it's like now that you're in the eastern time zone i guess that you know the the uk based shows they're they're just after wh they're like bushby's gotten me on his show and like i know like andrew thompson and, and bushby together want me on one of their shows it's like john i don't know like you better you know step up the game you know what i'm saying damn it's like, guy's gonna be in hot pursuit you know what i mean it's like you know what that sounds like it sounds like you guys need to settle some things in a royal rumble is what that sounds like no, maybe maybe davy's gonna give me a, give me an invite to be on the bd or something you know i mean we did a show covering uh my dad as a heel wrestler with that's true. WH. that was that a was fun, fun show that was yeah, fun the cockroach but we'll see by the way davy the tie very nice thank you very much i thought i'd make an effort it's it's awards season it is. It's good. In wrestling, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll chat with you on Friday, WH. Thank you for popping by. We're going to finish up with some calls here, but uh, always appreciate you uh, popping in here. With yeah. Some... Happy New Year to everyone if I don't hear from you uh, between now and then. WH Park, everybody. We go up next to some of more phone calls. Let's go to Muggin. Muggin, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. How you doing? Hello. 
How was your how was your holidays? They're going well. Cool. I, before, <laughs> all right, all right. Cool. Before I start, okay. Here's here we go. Um, my picks for um uh, for best broadcaster, and even though his career, even though his injury career isn't over, Samoa Joe has definitely flourished in the in the year he's been on commentary. I mean, he, like he doesn't. He definitely calls the action, and he's very analytical when he speaks. And there's also the added, the also the added element that he could get in the back in the ring at any time. So and that's he's definitely my pick. Um, my, my favorite event of the year would have to be Halloween Havoc, and this is a little bit biased because you know I had a lot of fun with the Zoom call with uh, Braden and Davey. I even dressed up for that one. And my pick for match of the year is uh, Walter and Dragunov because they didn't need tables or ladders or chairs. It, they made that empty arena setting work and for like 25 minutes. It was a, a vicious assault on the senses. It was an unbelievable match. If you have not seen it, it was uh, I, I, it was my WWE match of the year. I saw it twice. That's how much I loved it. I, I thought that week, I thought they should have put that on NXT at the very least. Like, uh, throw throw that on there. Like, there will be a time that Walter comes back, and it's it's a rematch you can go to and let people know, like, what went down, even if it's just in highlight form, like, that can be a big rematch and do it on a takeover, do it on a larger platform than just the UK television. Yeah, that, I mean, I, I could definitely see a rematch happening at the, the WrestleMania weekend takeover. If WrestleMania next year was going to be one night, do you see it being two nights next year? What do you think, Davey? Uh, WrestleMania being two nights? Um, it depends. I, I think if it's going to still be empty arena, I think, Yes, because it's it's just easier to consume and makes it feel like a more special thing and different from all the other pay-per-views. Uh, if they've got fans, uh, I just see it being a one-night thing. I guess so, it also comes down to the economics, too, that if you are limited to a percentage and the arena is willing to cut a deal, like you could, in theory, if you could, say, just throw out a number that you can put in 50% capacity, it might make economic sense to do two nights and be able to get sell that many more tickets if if your rental cost is at for the building is you know some kind of you're paying for one night but you're getting it for two kind of thing because these arenas probably want the shows as much as anyone to have you know a steady stream of consumers coming let's go up next to john taylor john taylor what's going on hey guys i have two quick ones uh first one best social media of the year would have to be t-bar from retribution he's his has been very good yes Absolutely hilarious. Uh, second one is the post-wrestling up next co-MVPs of the year. Shout out to Andrew Thompson and John Cena. Yes. 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 Definitely a shout out to those two. Those guys are killing it. Just not in our games. <laughs> Thank you very much, John. Appreciate the call. Uh, short and sweet here. Let's go to David. David, unmute yourself. What's going on? If he's around. Going once, going twice. David. David. All right. Let's end the phone calls tonight. Thank you, everybody, for uh, for them. Uh, only way we know how, we go to New Jersey and Brandon. Oh <laughs> Brandon, are you there? Are you awake? Hello? <laughs> how, are how are you? We're doing Great. well. You hear me? Great. All right. We're so, yeah. we're so good. Recording a show. Yeah. <laughs> how are you? Happy New Year. It's Happy still it's think? still 2020, so we can't wish anything this early. Oh uh, yeah, no man, unfortunately. Uh, quickly, I'll get out of here. Uh, promotion of the year, fight circus. Uh, fight of the year. Uh, <laughs> my tag team of the year is uh, 
Uh, <laughs> How about MMA turned city councilman of the year? Oh, geez, what a what a. He really, have you heard his, uh, what's that, uh, account that follows him is every move. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, John? Not a clue. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's, it's hard to say, but there's a Twitter account that follows his every move, him and Brendan Schaub's like they say, Oh, oh, okay. I I do know the account, uh, 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 Depot. Yeah. Okay, you and I are literally having a one-on-one conversation that no one cares about. So let's move on. <laughs> Brendan, what are you trying to say? Tag <laughs> team of the year is bank and no money for Fight Circus. They were tremendous. Uh, I love the way they booked the Bob Sapp uh, run-in at the end. Uh, can't wait for Fight Circus 3. And uh, <laughs> oh my God. I love you guys. Uh, I'm not going to be able to speak to you until the next year, so... Uh, uh, I love what Wait you guys have that's, done. That's in a couple of days, bro. Literally in a few days. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you're not gonna have a show for a while, so this is it, right? You're always welcome, Brandon. You're 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 one of our favorites. So thank you so much. Happy and New I'll, Year, uh, John. I'll, I'll learn to spell your name right. That would be nice. You know, I've <laughs> I've blocked people for less. So consider yourself that. That John, was like strike I, one. John, I think I spelled it again. It. <laughs> okay, Brandon. <laughs> I love you. I'm out of here. Hi Brandon. Bye, Brandon. Bye, guys. I love you all. Happy Bye-bye. New Year, Brandon. He's had the too too few many coquitos or uh, whatever he drinks. Well, guys, is that, is that a drink? Whatever he drinks, guys. This has been a, a wonderful best of show. A ton of calls, so thank you. And just uh, this chat room has been packed throughout the, the no John two the plus chat, hours. The chat has been fire. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah. in the words of Paul Levesque. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We, if you have enjoyed this show, we are going to do it all over again two weeks from now. We're going to come back on Tuesday, January the 12th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. We will reassemble the panel and then we are going to go through the absolute worst of 2020. And preemptively for anybody that comes out with the, oh, why so negative? You are going to be spammed with this show in response to it. So I don't want to hear anything about us being too negative when we have been very positive here for over two hours about the best of 2020, which, as we can see, there was a lot of great stuff in this past year. So now you can go assemble all of your lists. It'll be the exact same format on January 12th, 8 Eastern for Post Wrestling Cafe members and patrons of Up Next. And in case uh, 20 minutes passed by where they did not work in a plug, Brayden, where can people go listen to Up Next and join? Yeah, of course. Uh, Up Next, we cover NXT every week, and that's always going to be free. Uh, coming in a month or so, we're going to make our Dynamite show free, BD Elite. Uh, but Patreon.com, five bucks a month, gets you access to all those shows, best match ever, reviews from the six, movie reviews, all that stuff. Uh, including the games, which were hyped up for the Royal Rumble, uh, but Twitter, Instagram at Up Next Podcasts, and of course, Davey's been uh, working on that Twitch stream where we stream every Wednesday night. Yeah, twitch.tv forward slash Up Next Podcast. We do our post show live every Wednesday. Uh, we do watch longs for every WWE event, uh, every AEW pay per view, Impact pay per view. We we try and do as many of these watch longs as possible, and they're they're great fun. I feel we've really built up a a super cool community oh, man. this year. Uh, and if you want me to watch me struggle at video games, I just started The Last of Us Part 2 today. If you want to be thoroughly 
depressed uh you can watch that <laughs> it's been wild because in this like pandemic obviously you can't see friends and family and we've been podcasting non-stop and doing watch along so we've created a little bit of a family and community so we we love uh new people joining us for the watch alongs because gives us something to to look forward to and to to do and like uh i, I know i always say shout out because it's one of my things i say but shout out to everyone who who listens to post wrestling and up next and allowed us to be in your ears over this year and the holidays and Maybe you don't watch wrestling and have dropped out because there's a lot of other important things going on. But but thank you for listening and for supporting. And just a download or a nice comment on the podcast app is, is all it takes to, to say thanks to us. So thank you. Thank you. And Way, where can people listen to you? <laughs> right here on Post Wrestling, of course. Uh, but you can find, I think, all four of us. On the Post Wrestling Discord, it's the place that is just booming. If you'd like the chat room here in Zoom, uh, imagine if it was forever available all the time. That's what the Post Wrestling Discord is. It's our uh, it's it's our chat room that we've had running, but we're really making a push just to kind of you know use it a whole lot more. Uh, it's absolutely free to join. postwrestlingcom slash discord Find out what Brandon from New Jersey is eating right at this moment. Yes, Discord <laughs> anchored by. Brandon from New Jersey and our MMA contingent of Phil Chairtalk and Eric Marcotte, who I got absolutely zero comments for, but I thought it was really clever that I got a live performance of Eric Clapton and Phil Collins as their wow. entrance song oh, on the Christmas show. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> that concludes the best of show. Thank you to all of you that tuned in live. Uh, great to hear from so many of you. That is it. The best of 2020 is in the books. Now, let us all get ready for the absolute dirt worst. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.